Yes, dudes and dudettes, Major League Butt Kicking is back in town. Oh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Righteous. Bossa Nova. What? Yeah. Bossa Nova? Chevy Nova? Oh. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, we're talking major yeah. pizza attack here, dudes. Pizza unneeded. Oh, baby. Oh, man. All right. <laughs> bros. Woo. Give me three. You got it. <laughs> we were great. Hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Jordan from Smallville, Batcat Shipper. This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, and you can help support the Batman Universe by heading over to patreon.com slash the Batman Universe. This is episode 151. My name is Tim, and joining me as always is Dane. What's up, Dane? Uh, unfortunately, it's uh, it's bad news, Tim. Uh-oh. Lay yeah. it on me, Dane. Um, well, last Saturday, uh, we had to... Put down uh, my cat. We had to oh, put my cat man. to sleep. Um, That's it's awful. Ter- it's terrible. Um, well, there's nothing we, we could really do. Um, at first, we thought she just had a cold. Mm-hmm. Um, we thought she was just congested. Um, she just couldn't get the, the phlegm out. And so we took her to the vet. And... Um, the the vet opened up her mouth and took one look and uh, realized that it was cancer. Uh, she, she had had a um, I don't I don't know what it's called maybe a, a tumor on the back of her throat and um, yeah she she had oral cancer so uh, unfortunately we had to uh, put her down but she 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 got to come home for about four or five hours before we had to take her back and her to sleep oh, well i'm yeah. sorry david and i, I can't imagine that has so tough i mean to do that i mean i don't know how you were able to bring her back and then take her back to the yeah. bed i mean I, it, 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 torture. It, it wouldn't have been so bad if she um she wasn't so uh she because <clears throat> uh, besides the breathing she just acted normally um mm-hmm. she all, all she wanted was attention all the time and uh, it it wouldn't have been so bad if um you know she she was sick or she showed the signs that she was sick but um besides her breathing because it sounded like she like i said she was just uh really congested but um besides that there was no other sign that she was uh that sick you know yeah uh, yeah that's awful like right? Just hearing that just breaks my heart. I got a few cats here too, and yeah, I mean we we, like we do have two. That day. We, we 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 had three cats, so we're down to two. So uh, I'm just taking my happiness, you know, or whatever, whatever I can get mm-hmm. uh, from them, you know, my other sure. two cats. It, it it's just hard, you know, coming home sometimes when and then she's not there, you know. Yeah, and she she would be the one that would always be at the door. You know, so, you know, somehow she would hear me coming in uh, from the car and 
uh, she would be there waiting, and it's that that's the hardest part. But he, you know, like I said, it's it you you, you have to remember that you have two other cats. You know, you can't just ignore them, and you gotta sort of, you know, okay, well we lost the cat, but um, and you know that sucks, and we're gonna miss her, but we still have two more cats, you know, and maybe we should take our happiness or whatever from them. So yeah, it's been a tough, of course, yeah. knowing that the other cat's not no longer suffering too. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and there was nothing we could do to, you know, save her or, um, no, no matter what kind of surgery we, we did, um, the, the, the vet did, you know, uh, say that there are options, but, um, it's not really going to help her in the long run. It's just going to help her right now, you know? So it's, it's, you, you, you're going to pay, I mean, you're going to do this surgery and you're not quite sure what the quality of life is going to be after that. Um, it could be a couple months, it could be a year. So, and and you don't know how much the suffering is going to be, right? So sure, it could maybe make things worse. Yeah, it could make things worse, you know. So and she she had already had you know health problems um, before that. So uh, you know we just didn't want to put her through that. And, you know, it 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 was for the better, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's unfortunate. It's been a tough week, you know. But like I said. Um, we're going to sort of focus on our two other cats for now, you know? So what was your cat's name? Uh, Christy. Steve? Well, yeah. I think officially say that this episode will be dedicated to Christy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, yeah, get sorry to hear that, David. Hopefully you yeah. can and, and get... I, I, I don't mean to bring uh, start this <laughs> podcast off on a negative note, Um you know, I, th- I think I'm at a place right now where, you know, I'm, I'm going to focus on my two other cats, you know, and make this a uh, happy thing instead of, you know, being all sad all the time, you know. And hopefully, you know, doing this episode can help cheer you up. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> make the week a little better as well. Because, because I do have to hear your review, uh, your dream, I should say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of, of playing the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in uh, Injustice 2. Oh yeah, that's a pretty accurate description right there. <laughs> Calling it a dream, but yes, we'll definitely get to that. <laughs> but as always, I guess we can start things off by doing our Dark Knight Rises minute by minute commentary, and we are hitting a milestone on this episode. We are going to make it to 100 minutes, which technically is just an hour and 40 minutes when you look at it that way in the movie's runtime. But for the sake of us doing the minute by minute commentary on this podcast, I would say a hundred minutes is a milestone. What did you Dane? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like you said, if you put it as a hundred or, uh, you know, like what is it? A uh, hundred thirty nine mm-hmm. instead of like 99 to a hundred, you, you actually go by like the hour and 39. It, it actually feels like we've accomplished something, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Doesn't feel pointless. <laughs> Hey, it never felt pointless. <laughs> but yeah, so as always, before we started off, gotta get your formats ready to watch it with us. So get your VHS, your beta tapes, your DVD, your HD DVD, Blu-ray now, your Laserdisc, your Blockbuster video certificate, 
and your Netflix digital media. I think I got it covered. No, no, so. uh, Netflix physical media. Um, Did I say digital media? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's still going pretty darn strong right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing in uh, in TV right now and movies, yeah. right? So. <laughs> yeah, so Netflix physical media, the disky Physical and the media and um, your, your Gamefly, uh, what is it? Uh, Gamefly, pretty much the same thing. Just Gamefly physical media, I guess. Yeah, because, yeah, well, you know, I wonder if people actually do Gamefly still. I know. I remember like ten years ago. I mean, I used to do it, but there's always been tons of ads for it. But now I don't see very many ads for it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Like I said um, on our previous podcast, I I did it, but um, yeah, it it takes forever to get here. I know. <laughs> then, I think I said this before too. How even the new titles, like sometimes you're not, they're not even available right away, so you have to wait really? until they get back in. Yeah, maybe they fixed that problem now, but like, like I said, ten, ten years ago when I had a subscription, yeah. sometimes I couldn't even get the new releases right away because they'd be all checked out already. Oh, oh, like they would run out of stock. Yeah. Oh, I thought they just wouldn't have it until, um, you know, like a week later or something. Yeah, but it might even take longer than that <laughs> sometimes. But. Oh, wow. Yep, so regardless, everything's going digital now, <laughs> for the most part, even with video games. So yeah. We'll see how much longer Gamefly will last. <laughs> yeah. But as long as you got any of those formats ready to go, we could start the commentary at minute 99. So go ahead and give the countdown. We can begin at 3, 2, 1, go. And this is where we left off on the last episode where Gordon has one of my favorite lines of the movie where he says in a moment of crisis like i hope you have a friend like i did you know of course referring to batman and just saying how he plunges his hands into the fill so that you can keep yours clean i just love how that encompasses the close relationship that batman and gordon had you know throughout this trilogy and just in general and you know batman stories but then i always felt uh john blake was a little too tough on gordon there i mean he didn't know the full circumstances of what happened <laughs> and just for him to say i don't know your hands look pretty filthy to me might have been a little harsh and Dane's still continuing the speech yeah no i mean we've been on the speech for like three episodes yeah now. <laughs> i loved his face show his eyes right there goes, god yeah. is yours <laughs> yeah. and out come the inmates of black gate prison how did they open the cells I guess they just they knocked the guard out right there, so yeah. I'm sure they just took all the keys and let them out. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a lot and, of cells, man. Yeah. Well, you know how quickly time flies in this movie, how it jumped six <laughs> months and was, was able to get back to Gotham so quickly. So same with Bane's men refraining the inmates at Blackgate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was out. He, he, was out he, he was back in Gotham in like two minutes, so yeah. <laughs> I assume that's how that worked. Of course. <laughs> But that's where we're going to stop on this episode. So we made it 100 minutes. So even if something happens where, you know, the podcast ends or something happens to me and Dane where we can't do it anymore, we accomplished 100 minutes of Dark Knight Rises commentaries a minute per episode. (laughs) I would shake your hand right now, Dane, if we were in the same room with a job well done. But (laughs) you you can just wave your hand in the air and make like my hand is there. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm doing that right now. virtual handshake (laughs) but with that i guess we can go into our feature topic which as dane alluded to is you know pretty much a dream come true for me (laughs) 
it's going to be my review of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles DLC character pack coming to Injustice 2. Now, I remember on the last episode, we talked about how we saw the first footage of the turtles in action and how awesome that looked. And I said, man, I didn't know or they didn't put a date out or when exactly the DLC is going to be available. But little did I know that that weekend or after that weekend, that Monday, it was available to those who got the deluxe edition, which I did. So I was able to get it just two days after I say that on the podcast. So I was like, oh, sweet. They're already here. I just dove right into it. And man, yeah, you describing it as a dream come true, Dane, is accurate. Yeah. I mean, it was everything I was hoping it would be. Just so awesome seeing the turtles in the DC universe. And they're just, they fit into it just like a glove. They don't seem out of place. They just fit right in with other characters that they're playing against. It's just really cool. So uh, I'm just going to go into, you know, how kind of the mechanics work and some of the cool little interactions they had in the story that they have when you beat the game with them. Yeah, so, can, can I just interrupt you real quick, Tim? I'll go for it. Um, did, did you buy it? I mean, is this a, um, you have to pay for this DLC or is it free? Yeah. Okay. Did, much, uh, go ahead. I was going to say pretty much all the character DLCs you got to pay for, but I got, like I said, I got the deluxe edition, which included the season pass. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. If you if you bought the, the, the DLC pass, but um, how much is the DLC pass? You know, that's a good question. Yeah. I never really looked into it since it was included with I first bought the game because I, I paid like a hundred bucks for the game oh, for, the, for the ultimate deluxe edition that had everything. Yeah, that's like one of the rare games I actually did that for <laughs> <laughs> for injustice. You did yeah. that for injustice. I, I actually did that for uh, FIFA, FIFA 18. OK, uh, I bought the hundred dollar pack. Um, it's 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 only <clears throat> Sorry, it's it, it's only good if you um, if you play the uh, the ultimate team because I, I I think that's what that that hundred dollar package is for, but unfortunately I don't really play that that much, uh, so it kind of wasn't worth the hundred dollars. <laughs> but, but but this one seems to be a hundred dollars. I mean, uh, yeah, a hundred dollars well spent. Oh, I definitely think so. This isn't another Superman 64 case for me where I spent $100 <laughs> on trash. Wait, but, wait, wait, wait. You spent... Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry, I totally forgot the story. You you also had to buy the, the memory card. Right? The game by itself was 75 bucks. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, the, there wasn't any employee discount at Toys R Us? No, uh, when I first started, there was no discount. And then yeah. later on, like maybe a few months or maybe even a year after I was there and when Superman 64 came out, they gave us 10% discounts. But yeah. you, you, could you use it? You couldn't use it on video games, I don't think. Or right. was it just systems? Might have been just the systems. But, no. but yeah. Well, well at, least you didn't, uh, at least you didn't have to buy the system, a second controller, uh, the memory card, and the game. You know, oh, God. <laughs> And you get home, you take the <laughs> N64 out of the box, whatever, you know, the mem- put the memory card in, put the game in, and then, you know, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I feel sorry for anyone who didn't have a 64 yet, bought a system just for Superman 64, yeah. and and the controllers, like you said, and had to put that game in and just go, why? <laughs> <laughs> and probably had to force themselves to like it to justify yeah. their big purchase. <laughs> And correct me if I'm wrong. That's the last Nintendo system 
or a system in general with a physical um, cartridge, right? Actually, the Switch went back to cartridge. I mean, it did. It's not. It's not that big like that. They're little. Yeah. It's almost like, like memory card. It's like they're that small. Oh, it's kind of like the DS kind of. Um, yeah. Game. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, okay. But yeah. So they're so technically still kind of a cartridge since it's not a disc, but. Yeah, but I'm sure. The, the big physical fat one cartridges like that. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. the last one. Yeah, but I'm sure everybody just gets their um, Switch games online, right? Um. I don't because their memory is not that great on the system. Oh, so, no. well, the, what's the memory? It's only like thirty-five gigs, something like that. Really? Something like that. It's not large at all. Maybe at the most fifty, somewhere around there. So you're telling me you can't have Zelda with um, L.A. Noire then? Uh, it would probably take up all the memory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, I, I definitely got Zelda, big game like Zelda, Mario Odyssey. I you know, <laughs> just got the physical copies. <laughs> I know it would eat up all the memory on the system. You mean to tell me you didn't get L.A. Noir Tim? <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah, if no. I did, it'd probably be on the Xbox One and not the Switch. <laughs> it's it, it's the, um, the faces are good. It's just the rest is bad. The, um, the, the bodies don't look very good, but the faces do. Yeah, I mean, they made a big deal about the facial technology and expressions of that game, and I guess it looks yeah. even better now if they remastered it. But my think, biggest problem is the ending, <laughs> like I, I've said before. I think I think they use the same technology for uh, Star Wars. For like which Ma- one? Maz Kanata. Um, really? Stoke? Uh, not Stoke. Snoke. Yeah, I think so. Huh. Oh, yeah, I didn't know if they would like jump from the movie. From the games to movie technology, but I think I don't know. I'm not sure, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, well, the, that the sounds fa- like a a mystery. The case <laughs> that the game should look on <laughs> that the detectives should try to investigate. And and, and you know what? I'm, I'm I'm totally sidetracking this. I don't know why, but <laughs> um, and I I heard something about um the Last Jedi that I just wanted to confirm with you, Tim. Okay. Is, is it true the only reason why there are porgs in the Star Wars universe is because they couldn't remove those birds from uh, uh, Skellig Michael? I don't think that's the really the main reason. I mean, they were there when JJ was shooting The Force Awakens, just all the you know natural wildlife and yeah. birds and the puffins that were there. Yeah. And when Ryan Johnson went to go shoot there for Episode Eight, he just figured, you know, let's. These, you got inspired by the puppets that were there, but let's make them more Star Wars. <laughs> oh. Let's make them Star Wars creatures, and that's how the Porgs came about. So. Uh, I, I, I thought it was because they couldn't, you know, move the birds or anything. They, like, they just had to <laughs> let them go. So then, you know, they, they would wander in the, the camera shot. So they decided <laughs> to, um, you know, make them digital. <laughs> no, they were definitely specifically created. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh. Yeah, they're talking about Porgs. I just couldn't have, since we're going to be talking about Ninja Turtles and Justice, it's going to help but think of the title Teenage Mutant Ninja Porgs. <laughs> Let's bring them into Injustice. <laughs> of course. Uh, but anyway, so back to the TMNT in Injustice 2. Yeah, so the big question going into it for me was, you know, how is it going to work with, you know, what turtles you're going to pick? Is it going to be where you only be one turtle and then the other ones come in through like tag attacks and special moves or, you know, you'd be able to select 
a specific turtle before you start a fight. And thankfully, it's that where before you begin, you know, of course, Injustice 2 is, you know, one of the big components of the game is equipping armor and weapons for your characters to increase their stats and, you know, to give them you know, different abilities and all that. And with the turtles, in order to pick the different ones, you got to customize each loadout. So the Injustice has, I think, five or six loadouts. So each one you equip with each loadout with a weapon of the turtle. So you have the katanas for Leonardo. You equip the other loadout with the size for Raphael. Another loadout for the bow staff of Donatello. And then the last one you can equip with the nunchucks for Michelangelo. And then when you go to the character select screen, you hit the X button on the Xbox which allows you to pick your customized characters and then you just move it to the specific loadout that you assign the turtle weapons to. And that's how you pick your turtle. But the best part of it is what I appreciate the developers doing so much is that they just didn't, you know, they weren't lazy and just had a specific set of moves for all the turtles. And even if you pick Leonardo, Michelangelo, Donatello, Raphael, they'd pretty much all be the same. That's what I kind of was worried about. But thankfully that wasn't the case where they just had each turtle, they have a you know, basic set of moves that each of them have, but then each of them have their own specific unique moves based you know, on their weapons pretty much. And I was thankful for that. So it is kind of pretty much like you're getting four different new characters in this DLC pack with the Turtles because they do play differently. Not, not a big drastic difference from all of them, but different enough that makes them unique, which is really cool. And the only thing that is the same is their special uh, attack that each character has. No matter what turtle you pick, they'll each have the special. They'll each have the same special uh, attack that they have, uh, where they all come out and just pul- pulverize your opponent with their weapons, and then they all smash smash their opponents together with the back of their shells for a shell shock attack, which is awesome to see. And man, playing yeah. it is so much fun. It's everything I was hoping for. They control well. Like I said, their moves are unique and different for each turtle, uh, different enough for me to appreciate. You know picking a different one for different fights that I want to see. And it just, the balance is really nice on it. And yeah, it's just so, so much fun geeking out with the different matchups you can have with <laughs> the turtles in the DC character universe. And, you know, the only exposure they had to the DC universe so far has been in the Batman TMNT comics. Uh, so it's a no brainer that the first matchup I went to was beat each turtle to fight Batman. <laughs> and, and what makes it, you know, has me geeking out so much about it is just the interactions that, you know, they specifically have with certain characters. Certain ones is generic where they won't specifically mention a character by name. But depending on, you know, which turtle you pick and what other DC character you pick, they will specifically, you know, have conversations that are just specific to those two characters. And that's the really cool stuff, which I appreciate the attention to detail and like little bit of backstory that they give for some of those conversations. I mean, some of the funnier ones is where Michelangelo fights Batman and he's all, oh, Calabunga, I'm actually going to fight Batman. And Batman's all, you need to learn a new catchphrase. <laughs> and then you got Leonardo saying, talking to Supergirl, you know, he's looking forward to the fight and fighting a Kryptonian, you know, actually hearing him say Supergirl was cool. And then uh, hearing uh, different matchups, you know, where they harken back to certain Turtles lore, like mentioning, uh, you know, Casey and Shredder and certain things like that. It's the stuff I appreciate in hearing when they have these matchups. But I just love that they have these, you know, they just, the developers of this game, they just really appreciate. The, I mean, we knew it already how much they appreciate the DC Comics lore, but the fact that they 
showed that same amount of love to the turtles and their lore. It just really shows in the game, and uh, it's just so so <laughs> so much fun to play as. So uh, I couldn't be happier with it. It's just like you said, a dream come true to be playing with a turtles game, a fighting game with them in the DC universe. It's something I never thought <laughs> would be possible. There was something that I would think would ever happen but now that it did it's like how can it's such a no-brainer how could no one ever do this before with it and it makes me want another specific turtles fighting game that we haven't had since the super nintendo and sega genesis era because those tournament fighter games were lots of fun and this is kind of what it's reminded me of and i only wish there was more turtle characters involved but it's just been a blast playing uh, i haven't gone through all of them yet but just like i said the different interactions that the turtles have with the different various DC characters have been lots of fun to go through. That's kind of what I'm doing right now. And as I'm leveling up to the cap of 20, I'm at level 12 for them right now. But as I'm doing that, I'm just picking each four turtle against one specific DC character for each. So I can try to see all the <laughs> different interactions they have. So I haven't gone through all of them yet. I just pretty much scratched the surface with some of the character interactions. Like I said, with Batman, um, Batman and Michelangelo had one. Leonardo and Supergirl, Donatello and Cyborg have a specific interaction. And then uh, one of my other favorites was Raphael talking to Atrocitus. And you know, Raphael's the one who has the most uh, anger issues. So it would make sense that Atrocitus would want to try to recruit him to join the Red Lanterns. And I love how they bring that up uh, before the start of the match when you pick Raphael and Atrocitus. So all that stuff is just really, really cool to see. And as far as the actual you know, story goes to how they got in because each uh, character has a specific ending. If you beat, you know, their version of the arcade mode in the game with the turtles, their endings are all the same, but it's pretty basic where, you know, they're fighting a battle with Shredder and Krang and they get transported into the DC universe. But what's cool is, you know, they're just like artwork pieces uh, with uh, dialogue going over it. But then just once they get transported to the DC universe, they're, you know, in a room with Harley Quinn and uh, Batman's there. Just seeing them interact with DC characters, I haven't seen them yet in the comic. It's pretty fun, like with Harley. And then she gives, uh, Michelangelo does a Harley Quinn impression, <laughs> which is funny to hear as she offers them pizza. But the, spe- the pizza contains special nanites, which enhance their strength. And Krunovich made them into, you know, turtle versions of Superman. <laughs> so they go back to their universe of New York and easily take down Shredder and Craig. So, you know, this a basic way to bring them into the injustice universe but one that works and it's just like i said real fun to see them interact with other characters i haven't seen before yet like harley quinn so it all comes together for a nice complete package you know it plays each turtle plays well their interactions are great you know a lot of stuff to geek out over when you're a diehard turtles and dc comics fan like i am and then the graphics on it jesus so so good i've said how amazing it looked in those videos when they first you know got revealed but actually being able to play it you know on my tv screen man it just looks so 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 good that's what that's part of another reason why i want to do turtles fighting game being developed by the same guys who did injustice man because they just nailed it nailed the look nailed the feel nailed the attitude that they have just everything about it just they really paid attention to the details as far as what makes the turtles so uh, so fun to, you know, and interesting to me to play as just in general. So couldn't be happier with it. I'm glad it was, came to me or came to the game earlier than expected. <laughs> so I've been playing it for two weeks, uh, going, you know, pretty much spending my time playing that uh, whenever I can. It's, it's been lots of fun. So, yeah, when I first got that trailer, 
back in, I think it was November when they first made that reveal and just how excited I was. It definitely lived up to my expectations. And yeah, just hopefully this is just the start of more <laughs> turtle goodness to come from uh, not only Injustice, but like I said, I'm really hoping to become something really popular. It seems that everyone's really liking it from some of the stuff I in reviews and those who played Injustice who have played the Turtle DLC are really liking it. So hopefully this can, you know, kick off maybe somewhere the developers will see. You know, the Turtle franchise is similar to the DC universe. There's a lot of great characters that can make for a fighting game. So hopefully that would come from the guys at NetherRealm. That would just be, you know, <laughs> the icing on <laughs> the cake for bringing the Turtles into this game. So, yeah, I love it. So I'd give their... Uh, see, I wasn't going to say a 5 out of 5 for this DLC pack, but the only nitpick I will give it is that I was talking about how you select your turtles. It could, I think it could have been made a little simpler where you just pick the character on the title screen and you just select your turtle right there instead of having to go and equip uh, specific weapons into one of the loadouts and then having to pick that loadout before you start the match for you know, for whatever turtle you want to be. I thought it could have been made a little simpler. So that's probably my only nitpick that I have with it. So I'll go ahead and give it a four out of five just for being a really great add-on <laughs> to Injustice 2. One that I wasn't expecting, but one that I am really glad is here now. So, yeah, I think $100 was well spent on that Injustice uh, <laughs> Deluxe Edition that I got. Even I felt it was worth it even without the Turtles, but having them in it now, as I think they're the final DLC pack, it just, you know, steal the deal as far as making it really, really worth it. So, yeah, I couldn't be happier. I, know, I, I didn't know that there was a... Uh, story uh, with with this fighting game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that well, that's the cool thing. There is like a main story mode in it that you know you it's, you have to be the specific character at that point of the story. It's really good though. But then there's the arcade mode where if you pick, you can pick whatever character you want, and then you get an ending kind of like the old fighting games, like Street Fighter style, with like I said, that has like comic book art. So each character has some. Uh, unique ending to themselves with that and that's what the turtles had which was you know cool that it was there but they were added to the actual main story mode in the game man that was <laughs> that would be almost like a brand new game completely so <laughs> wasn't expecting that so i can't knock it for that because none of the other dlc characters got incorporated into the main story mode so i wasn't expecting that with the turtles but now that i think about it, i just can't imagine how awesome that would be <laughs> or what about Injustice versus uh, Star Wars? You know, like Marvel versus Capcom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Injustice. I'd be all down for that as well. But <laughs> <laughs> these type of things, even probably with the Turtles, and especially, I think it'd be even more so with Star Wars, where you get these two different universes colliding, and you get those, oh, how can that work? It doesn't make sense, blah, blah, blah. When it comes to games, especially fighting games, I think you just got to let that go. I mean, it's not going to be part yeah. of any main canon storyline for whatever franchise it is. It's just a cool, unique, fun way to experience these characters and franchises that you love in ways you never thought possible. So I'd be totally down for Star Wars versus whatever, if it's <laughs> Injustice or uh, Capcom versus Star Wars. But right now, but Marvel versus Capcom, the latest one that came out, yeah, uh, not being good at all. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's not I, good? I played the demo of it, Yeah, and I wasn't a fan. The graphics aren't good at all. Yeah. Fighting style or the fighting mechanics on it were, you know, basic. They weren't bad. Yeah. But then that really got me mad about it was that 
they weren't including any X-Men characters or any characters that weren't part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Yeah. And I was like, come yeah. on, that's just a cheap way to you know try to cash in on what's popular right now. This game is totally separate from the movies. Don't let that don't be hindered to that where you can't have characters like Wolverine or Deadpool or Fantastic Four in there. Like, come on, <laughs> that's just pretty lame. And then you hear some of the developers' excuses saying, well, I think it's pretty fair to say not everyone's probably too uh, or don't remember characters like Wolverine or X-Men right now compared to the Marvel movie characters. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> not to mention uh, that was by the time that like, Logan just came out a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> All that stuff. So it was just a lame excuse to not really, you know, put a damper on my enthusiasm for the game. It was almost like, oh, I don't want to buy it if that's the way they're going into it. Well, and I, I never I, did. I, so. I mean, I, I used to use uh, Cyclops a lot. Mm. And I used to use, you know, Venom. So I, maybe we're too old. <laughs> maybe we don't, you know, we, we don't know better. I don't know. No, I, I think it's they don't know better because Capcom never did that before. Yeah, in the Marvel vs. Capcom game, it didn't matter who was in the popular movies or not. And now that's the way they're going to. I mean, or, imagine if Injustice had that yeah. <laughs> mantra of going into making their games. Like character roster would be so small because <laughs> we've only had a handful of the DC movie universe. So <laughs> thank goodness yeah, they don't adhere like, to that. It's kind of like saying, like, okay, so we're gonna make this inju- new. We're gonna make Injustice three, Tim, but. Um, no one from the Batman universe, no one from the Superman universe, and no one from the from the uh, Wonder Woman universe. I, yeah, know? that's what. <laughs> so it's only going to be, be like. It's only going to be Plastic Man, and it's only. <laughs> <gonna> be, <laughs> well, you would still buy it if oh, that yeah, plastic. Totally, <laughs> totally. It, it's it's kind of like the Arkham games, you know. If if they made a, if, if the was it Rocksteady that, that mm-hmm. did that. Yeah. If Rocksteady made a Plastic Man game like like they did the Arkham games, I am pre-ordering that. I'm ordering a physical copy of it uh, <laughs> on both systems. You're going to get the deluxe edition no matter how the, much it costs. The deluxe $200 edition yeah. for some reason. The Plastic Man specific console. You know, sometimes yeah. they have the consoles yeah, yeah. on specific for a game. <laughs> I'm surprised... No. Um, Surprised Disney hasn't done the um, kind of like a Marvel versus Capcom, but Marvel versus um, Star Wars. I know, like I said, I'd, I'd be all for that in a video game. I mean, yeah. Kind of like the I was saying with the Turtles and how I want another fighting game just based off the Turtles franchise. I think Star Wars. I would love to see that for Star Wars also. Yeah. Because all there is is that horrible PlayStation One game, The Masters of Terracotta. <laughs> Which is borderline <laughs> unplayable, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I have a vague memory of that, Tim. I don't know why. Uh, I, I don't think I ever bought that. I think I think I just went over a friend's house and played it. Yeah, smart move. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was one of those games I remember at the time where I, I convinced myself of saying it was good because it's the only Star Wars fighting game out there. <laughs> now I'm like, nope. <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. That's... Yes. <laughs> so that I'm, Star Wars fighting game, I'd be. I'm actually kind of surprised I haven't had one, you know, since that game came out, which is over 20 years now. So <laughs> I think it's due. Well, they kind of do with the Battlefront stuff, but that's totally different genre. Yeah, it's different. Uh, yeah. I want to count that as it. Well, um, 
you know, I'm so glad that you liked it too. But <laughs> but I mean, it's an easy sell for you. That you is know, true. I'm just DC and uh, Ninja Turtles. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, I would have bought it anyway. But the fact that it delivered on the potential how amazing it could have been that's i'm just i'm so thankful for it so so much fun i mean it's just so cool that uh, i'll talk about it in our comment reviews but this past wednesday i got the tmnt issue number four or the batman tmnt issue number four where the turtles fight bane and i just thought how awesome is i could read a story of the turtles fighting bane then i can do that exact same thing in a video game with injustice 2 and that's what i did i popped in the game selected some turtles and i fought bane and it was awesome so yeah. <laughs> just what a crazy, fun, geek world we live in right now. Yeah. <laughs> just couldn't it be better to be a DC Comics fan and a TMNT fan? So, yeah, I'm, a, I'm ecstatic. I wonder what, um, you know, kind of like, you know, Marvel versus Star Wars or whatever. I wonder what uh, WB could do. Mm, uh, you know, like DC versus... Harry Potter. Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. You, you, you're just facing off against wizards, right? So. <laughs> Warner Brothers, they have Lord of the Rings, too. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, DC versus Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that's something where, you know, it's better when you get a studio or a property yeah. like that where it's DC or Marvel, but you pair it up with video game established franchises like Marvel vs. Capcom and then Remember DC did it with, I think what started Injustice was uh, DC characters versus Mortal Kombat. Oh, yeah, yeah, because they used to be the, the DLC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. There was even a few Mortal Kombat characters still in Injustice, like Sub-Zero and Raiden. Which, really? Yeah, I think it might be a little waste of character space, in my opinion, maybe because I'm not a huge Mortal Kombat fan and obviously more of a DC fan. I want to see those slots to other DC characters. I can understand one, but two. Eh. <laughs> other DC characters you could have put in there instead. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's a small nitpick. I know. I, yeah. I can't complain <laughs> when they give me Ninja Turtles. I really can't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I could, you know, geek out about playing the Ninja Turtles and Injustice forever. So, but <laughs> I'll go ahead and move on. But there's more turtle goodness to come in this episode with the comic review. So it's a turtle centric episode, which I always love. <laughs> but before we get into that, a couple of news topics that happened over the past two weeks, and they're both kind of similar because it's about uh, creators leaving projects. And the first one is that James Tinian, the fourth is no longer going to be writing detective comics as of issue 981, because the solicitations uh, came out not too long ago, which revealed, you know, the current issues that are be coming out soon. And it revealed that, you know, James Tinian isn't on Detective anymore. And man, I got to say, when I read that, I got a little bummed because ever since Rebirth kicked off, Detective Comics has been one of the more consistent titles out there. And there has been a few arcs in here that weren't as great as some of the other ones that James Tinian did. But overall, especially in the beginning, it just to me, there was no better book than Detective. And again, once we'll get into our comic reviews, We'll talk about the latest issue with Detective Comics 974 and how it's kind of, you know, starting to be the end of his run. Or when I first read it, I didn't know he was going to be leaving the title, but I got the feeling, you know, this is kind of like an end of an era here. But, man, he's doing a great job of ending what he started at the beginning of Rebirth. So as disappointing as it is to see him leave the book, it does look like he's going to be able to end it the way he wants to, which is a good thing and what this title deserves. So 
Um, they didn't announce who's going to be taking over Detective Actor James Tinian, but I'll be curious to see and just hopefully they can continue on what he started with uh, Rebirth and, you know, establishing that great new team dynamic, which when we first heard it, we thought, man, that's kind of weird that they're having this new bat team with this kind of characters with Clayface, you know, being part of it. But at the same time, you're excited because, oh, Tim Drake's in it, spoilers in it, Cassandra Kane, Batwoman. So there was a lot to be excited about when we first heard it. And it definitely delivered in those early storylines. So, yeah, James Sinian, uh, job well done on a fantastic run of Detective. And, you know, I think it's because he's going to be going to do one of the main Justice League books. And so hopefully that'll be as good as his Detective run. But right now, I think whoever takes over is going to have some big shoes to fill. I wonder if this was a stepping stone for uh, Justice League where he, um, you know, like DC came to him and said, like, if he knew this good, then uh, you're going to get the Justice League book. Yeah, I would. That's a good point because you know, obviously, since the obviously since this Detective Comics run has so team based, it was a great you know way to kind of see what it can do with the team dynamic. And I don't. Maybe it's not necessarily. They said you know we'll see how you do here and before you do a Justice League. It's probably more where they saw how good of a job he did, and then once they started to figure out the new ways or the new creative teams they wanted to bring on for Justice League, they probably just realized that James Tinian would be, you know, a perfect choice <laughs> seeing what he did with the team dynamic of this, you know, new Bat family team that he established in Detective. So I'm sure that did play into it when they made those decisions. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, you know, like I said, a bummer to hear, but he's moving on to, uh, I want to say bigger and better things because we'll see if his Justice League is better than Detective, <laughs> but definitely to exciting things still to come from James Tidious, which is good. So, But on the flip side of that, we also got the news that Josh Whedon is no longer directing or writing the it's, upcoming uh, Batman Joss, movie. Joss <laughs> I think that's the second time you had to correct yeah. me on that name. I always call him Josh. <laughs> Josh Whedon. <laughs> yes, even though you know, it's clearly spelled J-O-S-S. So. Yeah. But you know, I probably don't have to worry about saying his name too much since I don't think he's going to be involved with any DC movies in the foreseeable future. So yeah, he's off Batgirl from the writing and directing it. And you know, I'm first, I'm going to read the quotes from the Hollywood reporter. They're the one who wrote the story uh, this past Thursday. He says, um, Batgirl is such an exciting project and Warner's and DC such collaborative and supportive partners that it took me months to realize I really didn't have a story. And then he goes on to say, I'm grateful to Jeff and Toby and everyone who was so welcoming when I were, when I arrived and so understanding when I uh, is there a sexy word for failed? <laughs> I was like, so I saw those quotes and I first I didn't read the article first when I saw it because I was just seeing tweets saying, oh, Josh Whedon is off Batgirl. And I was seeing those quotes. I go, wait a second. I don't know if this is real. Could you know how there are those fake Twitter accounts for like Deadline and Variety that look like the real trade yeah. accounts? So I thought it's probably one of those and someone, you know, probably got fooled and thought, you know, Josh, Josh Whedon is off Batgirl. But then I saw, you know, the official Hollywood Reporter Twitter account and they had the link to the story like, oh, OK. <laughs> then I saw those quotes. I go, what? He actually said that? It just felt, you know, really, really strange. So it was like those are the quotes to talk about while he's why he's leaving. So, yeah, I can't say I'm really surprised about this. I mean, I figured it was going to happen eventually once, you know, not to not only the whole Justice League fiasco and how, you know, 
unwell received that was, especially his reshoots and, you know, everyone clamoring for the Snyder Cut, blah, blah, blah. But then also some of the stuff that got revealed about his personal life and how, you know. Oh, yeah, I totally forgot about that, yeah. And how he really wouldn't be the best, you know, (laughs) person to helm a Batgirl movie. So I just kind of felt the writing was on the wall and it was going to come eventually. And here it is. But, man, I'm not buying the whole I really didn't have a story bit at all. (laughs) Because, I mean, it was almost, has it been a year ago since they first announced it? If not a year, we're pretty close. Yeah, yeah. And the whole thing, if I remember, was that he had this Batgirl story idea or pitch to Warner Brothers that was really good, and that's why they wanted him. And now to say that he really didn't have a story or after a year he couldn't crack, you know, what makes a good Batgirl story, like, uh, I don't know. Maybe he had wasn't good (laughs) and right for Batgirl, but the fact that he didn't have a story, I'm just not buying. I think it's just, you know, something to say – to cover up what's probably really going behind the scenes. It says it's a mutual parting, but it's probably for a different reason than that. So yeah, I'll, all I hope for is that this movie yeah. doesn't get pushed back too much and that it's still on Warner Brothers slate. Cause I still love to see a background movie. Yeah. And it's not only that, it's also the fact that it, I don't know if you saw that tweet by that. Um, I don't know. I don't know what that guy is like an entertainment reporter it, where he said um, that, uh, Zack Snyder didn't, you know, leave the 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 DC franchise. He was kind of kicked out after. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what it was. Was it the um, the dailies from Justice League? Yeah, it was it? pretty much like the first cut that he had. The first which cut, yeah. All the executives were not happy about. Yeah, so th- I, I'm getting I'm getting that kind of feeling for this one too. But not before it even got to that, yeah, yeah before, <laughs> point, though, thankfully. before it even got to that, but but not only that, I mean, I, 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 I think Batgirl should be directed by a, a female director. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it should totally. be it should be written by a, a, a woman, and it should be directed by a woman. Um, look at uh, Wonder Woman was directed by a woman, and look how great that turned out to be. Yeah, and I'm sure that it's, had to play a factor in Warner Bros' decision to do this. Yeah, it's 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 a great movie. It's pro- it's it's the best DC movie. So, I I I think yeah, it it should be written and should be directed by a woman. Yeah. So overall, I mean, it's just, again the disappointing thing is that up oh, another movie from Warner Brothers and DC that lost a director. But I think in the end, it's probably for the best. So <laughs> we just yeah. gotta be a little more patient before we get the Batgirl movie. I totally forgot about that Joker movie that they're still doing. <laughs> yeah, so um, right now it's still, you know, <laughs> it's going to happen. I think there's been rumors that production might start in the summer, like around yeah. June, something like that. So May or June. I mean, it, yeah. If that's the case, we should hear some casting about it pretty soon and see if those Joaquin Phoenix rumors we talked about on the last episode end up panning out. But yeah, it's that year. Yeah, it's still one of those things where. It probably will happen, but at the same time, I'm not 100% sold that it is. I, mean, I can just imagine delays on that movie happening for various reasons. So, <laughs> Hey, did you see um, uh, Black Panther? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. That was such an awesome movie. Oh, so you saw I, it too. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, nice. it's, it's actually, believe it or not, it's the first Marvel movie that I've seen in the theater. Um, since you know what Iron Man two, wow, yeah, <laughs> so about eight years, yeah, 
I was going to say, because, yeah, I thought it was great, too. And I was going to tell you that I know you don't really see Marvel movies in the theaters, but I think this will be one you probably should and will enjoy if yeah. you do go see in the theater. So I'm really glad to hear that you did. It, it, it was all the hype on Twitter. You know, it was like, and it was the, the all the reviews on Twitter. And so, like, I, I was pretty much like, okay, I, I think this is a good investment. Um, a little... A little, 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 little bit overhyped, I'd say, on Twitter. Mm. Uh, but a great movie, nonetheless. I like how they they just kept it about Wakanda. They, didn't, yes. they, they were not saving the universe mm. again. You know, like in every other Marvel movie, it seemed. Except, yeah, for, the, fact, except for the Amazing Spider-Man. Or the, you mean Spider-Man Homecoming? Ah, Spider-Man Homecoming, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just the fact that, you know, Wakanda was the main focus of the movie. I mean, yeah. they yeah. didn't shy away about staying in there. They had that cool little trip to South Korea for that, you know, spy espionage <laughs> sequence, which I thought was really cool. I loved it how it felt like at a the little, beginning of the movie. A little out of place, if you want to, you know, be nitpicky about it. You but... could, but at the same time, I thought it worked. Like, yeah. the first half of the movie felt like a James Bond type of movie where you see him getting all the tech from his sister and his costume and all that and then they go on a spy mission there's yeah. a car chase action sequence but then at, you know the second half it turns into this you know royal family drama which also worked really well and like i said how they didn't shy away about you know showing wakanda and staying in wakanda and the culture and everything that makes wakanda work that's what's so cool about black panther it's a truly a comic book movie like no other because what other comic book movie has the feel and look of Wakanda and the culture that they established there. It's just really unique and yeah. so good. I'm going to be honest with you, Tim. I knew nothing about Black Panther going into this. I knew I, very I, little I, as well. I, I knew nothing about Wakanda. I knew nothing about Black Panther or his villains or his allies. Um, it seems like he, he hasn't had a, 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 a comic for a while now. I'm not sure. I know he's had some recent ones, but yeah. I haven't personally read any solo black panther comics and pretty much my knowledge of the character came from the avengers earth mightiest heroes uh, animated series back in 2010 that's kind of where i got more familiar with his you know history and some of his supporting characters like uh the character mbaku the man ape i know i first saw him there in a, a vibranium and uh ulysses s claw andy circus's character i first uh, heard of from the animated series so i wasn't really you know, too well versed in Black Panther and his story before. I've read comics with him in it, but it was like in other characters' books, like certain Avengers stories and all that. So I didn't get my knowledge of him until that animated series. But even then, it really wasn't that much. So going into the movie, I knew of certain things, but of other characters and concepts I was introduced to through the movie. But it all worked really, really well. Yes, it and, did. And I have to say, Tim, mm-hmm. I think uh, Michael B. Jordan, his villain is probably the best villain since Heath Ledger. He he was a great villain. I don't, see, I don't know if I'd say that, because I've enjoyed some other Marvel villains, even some in the DC movies. But um, yeah, here's my problem we'll with... <laughs> here's my problem with uh, Killmonger yeah. in the movie. He was great. His motivations and his backstory was great. He's one of those characters or villains where you felt, you know what? You can kind of understand where he's coming from, but, you know, he's still doing horrible things. But when you have that moment where you think about you have to think about that to yourself, that makes for a good villain. 
But my issue was there was a point in the movie where after you were first introduced to him and that museum sequence, he doesn't show up for a while. And I just felt it could have been more impactful and more of a compelling villain if there was just a few more scenes or minutes spent with him during that course where you just don't see him a lot. So that was my only issue with him where he probably wasn't in the movie as much as I think he should have been. Mm. I don't know if you felt that way, but there was a point where I was thinking to myself, man, when's uh, Killmonger going to come back <laughs> and yeah. show up in the movie? I just like how his name is like, um, you know, just like a regular name. I think it's like Eric Johnson or something. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is it like Eric? I, I know his first name's Eric. Cause yeah. He's usually just referred to Eric Killmonger. <laughs> so, I can't remember what his last name is. Yeah, like, I wonder, like, where did the Killmonger part come from? Yeah, in the movie, I think they stopped us for all the kills he got in the military. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> but I also love Andy Serkis as Claw. <laughs> yeah. I would, spoiler alert here, in case you haven't seen the movie, but but the amount of money it's making, you've probably seen it already, but I yeah. <laughs> uh, was disappointed when they killed off Claw, like, because uh, he's one of Black Panther's main villains, and the fact that he got killed off in his first movie was a little disappointed with. Plus, Andy Serkis always gives a great performance, so <laughs> I thought he was good, too. And I have to say, um, you know, you brought up the box office, and I usually go to the movies on a Tuesday night, uh-huh. uh huh. Just because nobody goes to the movies on Tuesday, because it's, it's, it's people are working, right? And um, it's it's during the work week, and um, you know, people don't really want to go to the movies then. I I saw Justice League then. Um, Ghost town, <laughs> ghost town, Tim. I had the entire would seem like the entire theater to myself. I could lay down on any row. <laughs> oh man! Uh, Tuesday night, uh, Black Panther. It was packed, Tim. Oh, nice! And they had all of the cardboard cutouts out, and people are taking pictures with it. Um, and this isn't a popular theater, Tim. This is uh, a, a theater where, near where I grew up, and if if you don't know where I grew up, it, you know, in Jurassic Park when they're running from the uh, or they're running with the herd, uh huh. Just picture that the background of that. That's where I live. Okay. That's where I grew up. It's it's not a popular theater. It's kind of out of the way. You wouldn't really go there. It was packed, Tim. It was packed. <laughs> so i was so happy to see that and i was like okay this is gonna be a good movie yeah that's cool to hear and again like i said with the box office numbers that it's doing not surprising too but it's still awesome to hear like everywhere that seems to be the case and it's i think we could definitely say now this is one of those movies that you can call a cultural phenomenon with the amount of numbers it's doing just how people keep talking about it too it's the it's the best superhero movie i've seen in a while so, yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty. Good. I just love how different and unique it is, and I, I'll agree with that. But at the same time, I loved a lot of these superhero movies recently, so I probably can't. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that exactly to the point where I've best one I've seen in a while, but it's definitely going to be remembered as one of the best. I think there's no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, this is what happens when you get people that really care about what they're doing and you know actually do a good job at it. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's not 
Justice I don't have League. too much. It's not. Too, I was going to say that don't have too much studio interference <laughs> from yeah. your And I have to say, I, I got to give this movie props for not becoming a big cartoon fight at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, it was. I, I and that's the thing too. I like I, I like the fight sequences. I liked how they didn't use a lot of CGI for it. Um, it was pretty much just Black Panther or Chadwick Boseman or his stunt double or whatever <laughs> fighting. You know, it wasn't this huge, big cartoon CGI fight. That there there's was people, a few shots where it, I was it, yeah. surprised that there was the CG look kind of cartoony. It was mainly in the, was, yeah. the under tunnel of subway or train fight. Yeah, I was about to say, it does get a little bit cartoony, a little bit, but if you compare it to Justice League or Batman vs. Superman, you know, it's <laughs> it's it's a little more realistic than, than those Yeah, not movies. enough to really complain about, I would say. Yeah. And nothing out, really out of the norm from a, pretty much any comic book movie you see nowadays. You just kind of have to expect there will be shots like that now. Yeah. I have to say, Tim, five out of five for me. Yeah, I'd probably give it four and a half out of five. Though, like I said, yeah. complain about uh, Killmonger having a you know big gap of the movie where he's not in there, kind of took back for how great I think he could have been and one of the top notch comic book villains. So that held it back a little bit for me. Yeah. So and then the only other little nitpick I had was that um, in the beginning, the first action sequence where you see a uh, Black Panther, uh, you know, fighting those uh, those uh. I don't know exactly what they were called, but they were, you know, slave traffickers or whatever. And, to, and Black Panther fought him in the dark. I just thought it was a little too dark where it was kind of hard to see what he was doing. And maybe that was the effect they were going for. They didn't want you really to see uh, how since how Black Panther moves so quickly. They, they kind of wanted to give you that feel where you couldn't see what he was doing. But for me, they kind of because they were showed shots from that in the trailer. And to me, it's like they darkened it even more from the trailer. <laughs> it was kind of hard to follow. So that was the only other nitpick I had with it. So a solid four out, of, four and a half out of five for me. And is that how Black Panther looks like in the uh, comics? Pretty much, yeah. But oh. That's another thing. They just nailed his costume. <laughs> just really cool. There were some uh, cost- versions of his costume where he has a cape. Um, he has a cape? But, yeah. <laughs> Which I think looks cool, too. And I was yeah. kind of wondering if they would do that yeah. in the movie. But... <laughs> At least not for T'Challa. And the flashback sequence in the beginning with his father. Yeah. He, I couldn't tell if he had a cape or not. Like, I've only seen it once. And part of me thinks, did he have something else other than the normal Black Panther suit to make it more different than T'Challa's? But I'm not sure. So when I see it again, I'm going to look out for more, see if he either had a cape or something like a cloth or robe or something like that to uh, make himself a little different. Because I thought it did, but I'm not 100% sure. And what surprised me about the movie... Um... You know, in the beginning, uh, especially with uh, T'Challa's uh, dad. What's mm. his name? Uh, T'Chaka. Oh, T'Chaka. Sorry. Yeah. Um, it, it, it It's weird that they went to Oakland, <laughs> of all places. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 is that like a big thing in the comics or something? Uh, see that? Or is I'm that sure. just... Oh, okay. Well, no, I think just, the reason is in the movie because the director, Ryan, Klu- Ryan Coogler, that's where he grew up. Yeah, was in Oakland, so I probably <laughs> would think that's the reason why he wanted to include <laughs> it there. But yeah, it's it's, a, it's it's the best superhero movie I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah, I definitely recommend it to anyone who's just a fan of comic book movies and just yeah. 
good movies in general, definitely see Black Panther. Which... Yeah, and I'm, I'm so glad that you don't have to watch 8,000 hours of Marvel movies, TV yeah. shows. <laughs> you have to read 80 comics to understand the first 10 minutes of, <laughs> of you know, this movie. Yep. And it's easier said than done, but that's, you know, that's what all comic book movies should do. Have enough where hardcore fans can geek out at some of the more obscure and like reference stuff, but at the same time have it be, you know, welcoming for those who aren't familiar with the source material and just easily get into the story and the characters. And I think Black Panther did both. Yeah. So. Cause I mean, that that's my biggest turnoff with, uh, Infinity War, the I think it's going to be the next Marvel movie yep. coming out. Yeah, comes out May fourth. Yeah, that that's going to be my biggest complaint about that movie. It's just I don't understand <laughs> really what's kind of going on. Um, and you know about that movie um, is I'm so sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna forget everybody's name. But, <laughs> hopefully uh, I can help you out with that. Elizabeth Olsen. Okay, Scarlet Witch. And um, the butler guy. <laughs> Vision. From, is that the guy from uh, the Iron Man movies? Yeah. Uh, Jarvis was the you know computer yeah. program <laughs> turned into Vision. So they're together then? Or yeah. they're in a relationship or something? Mm-hmm. Okay, because I didn't really understand that. Um, they kind of they hinted at it in uh, Captain America: Civil War, where you know they're developing their relationship. Oh, did they? I yeah. totally forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I, I kind of forgot about Captain America: Civil War and that Black, uh, Black Panther was even in it. Yeah, that was introduction. Totally that's that's that. still one of my favorite Marvel movies. Really, I love that movie. Yep. I don't know. It it, it, it was that whole fight scene where you know Ant Man is there. And oh, that's Spider-Man that's the best part. And, <laughs> <laughs> that's like know. comic book goodness brought to life. <laughs> it it kind of lost me after that. <laughs> well, I think Avenger, Avengers Infinity War is going to have more stuff like that. So maybe yeah, don't have your expectations as high as Black Panther. Is, <laughs> is Iron Man going to die in that? There's talk that. He might just because Infinity War. There's Infinity War. There's an Avengers four coming out next year. That's you know supposed to wrap up this era of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And there's been rumblings that maybe one of the main characters could die, like Iron Man or Captain America. So um, I don't. I personally don't think it's going to happen. But there's been talk and rumors about possibly one of the big characters dying. Oh yeah, and I totally forgot on on, on the subject of. Um you know, Infinity War or Captain America or whatever. Where's um, Jeremy Renner? What's his character's name? Black Hawk? Hawkeye. Hawkeye, yeah, yeah. Where, where is he? Um, he's going to be Infinity War, but at the end of Captain America Civil War, all the members of Captain America's team, like Hawkeye and Ant-Man were on, yeah. they were all in prison. And then at the end, Captain America busted them out. So they're kind of probably hiding out or being really under the radar <laughs> because they're technically breaking the law since they didn't sign those Sokovia Accords to register themselves with the government. Uh, I forget. I mean, I remember now. It, it it was... That whole movie was pretty much just, do you want uh, government oversight or not? Right? Mm, pretty much. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. well, that's the thrust of you know, the divide. There's other yeah. stuff that happens in the movie that's more Captain America-centric. But <laughs> so, so Iron Man is for that. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Captain America is not for that. Correct. Okay. I got it. But now. once <laughs> yeah, once Thanos invades Earth, none of that's gonna matter. So <laughs> it's gonna matter who signed those accords or not. They're all gonna be fighting yeah. together. Yeah, you see the, the, the Marvel universe is is sort of getting like the um like the beginning of any any sci-fi or fantasy book where they spend like three quarters of the book explaining how the political system works and how the magic system works or how the, you know, the trade unions work, you know, (laughs) it's like, it kind of loses me. Uh, Sometimes you need that though, to set up the conflict for certain situations. I guess, I guess. (laughs) And, there's 18 movies now, so not all of them are like that. But There's there are 18 movies? Yep. There are 18 Black, movies that they've done. Black Panther is number 18, yep. Wow. Would you like me to name them all for you, Dave? Yeah, can you please do that right <laughs> okay. now? All of them. Every single okay. one. We got Iron Man. Iron Man 2. Or actually, Iron Man, Iron, then after that was The Incredible Hulk, which is kind of the forgotten MCU movie. The one with, uh, when I play it on his name. Eric Bana. No, Ed Norton. Ed Norton. Yeah. 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 So those are the first two. Then you got Iron Man 2. Then you have Thor, Captain America, the first Avenger. Then you have the first Avengers movie. Then after that was Iron Man 3. Then after that was Thor, the Dark World. Then you had Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Then Guardians of the Galaxy. Then Avengers Age of Ultron. Ant-Man. Then Captain America Civil War. Doctor Strange. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Spider-Man Homecoming. Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot of movies. <laughs> yep, but it's uh I, I still marvel uh, pun intended, I guess, <laughs> at uh the way they were able to build this universe for all those movies and that, have it work so well. These get these different kinds of movies and now every single one of them is gonna play a factor in Avengers Infinity War. I mean, there's a big question mark if they could you know, how will the first Avengers movies work where you're bringing in, you know, three characters who had their solo movies and they're going to you know, work together? Well, they hit a home run here. And if they're able to make Infinity War work, where you're not only bringing those three main characters again, but the other new franchises they established, like Guardians of the Galaxy, into the mix, it'll yeah. be like a grand slam if they're able to make it work and feel like a, you know, cohesive movie where it's not characters too many characters where you lose track of them if they're able to balance it off really well man joe and anthony russo the directors are going to be almost do the impossible because it's such a hard task when you have that many characters to have it feel right and balanced but like i said i thought they did a great job with that in civil war and this is going to be that times two so uh, we'll see if they can do it again but i have confidence that they will and the big purple guy is thanos thanos that's not ultron no. Okay, who's Ultron then? Ultron was the robot villain from the second Avengers movie. Oh, the guy with the horns. Uh, didn't really have horns. No. <laughs> the one who was played by James Spader. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> is, 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 was that the one with the Iron Man suits? Uh, like that he, was... He crushed all was, the Iron Man suits? That was Iron Man 3. Okay. So James not... Spader played. So so what was that, Tim? <laughs> See, Dan, it sounds to me like oh. you need to do a MCU rewatch. <laughs> yeah, I need to watch eighteen movies. <laughs> um, okay, so 
what was the name of the villain in Iron Man 3? That was, they pretended to be the Mandarin, where yeah. it was Ben Kingsley, but it was all a joke. Yeah, he was just then, an actor. Yeah, then yeah. it was Guy Pierce's villain, who, see, I'm kind of blanking on his name. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> he right. He wasn't very memorable, I because Iron Man 3, you know, I'm kind of mixed on that one. There's stuff I liked, but stuff I didn't. But, uh, yeah, so he... So it wasn't a end, robot. No, he took those formula called Extremis, yeah. which, you know, freezes, you know, a person's strength. And, like, they made him, he turned into, like, a fiery volcanic <laughs> type villain before he got blasted away. But it was only for, like, two seconds. So maybe he had something that looked like horns <laughs> as that stuff was going through his body. But No, I think I'm just confusing okay. something with something. Um, I've only seen Iron Man 3 twice. That's why it's kind of one that's on the bottom of my favorite Marvel movies. So, so Th- Thanos is the big bad guy. So he's like, um, he's pretty much like their dark side. <laughs> oh, so he's more like a dark side then. Yeah. Okay. They're pretty. They're almost exactly the same, really. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, like, who is Thanos being played by? Um, Josh Brolin, actually. So he's doing Cable and uh, Thanos. Yep. Okay. Which I'm sure Deadpool will make a joke about. <laughs> Deadpool too. <laughs> okay. I, I I think I'm sorted, Tim. Okay. <laughs> that that is, it's getting confusing. Is what I'm trying to <laughs> is the whole thing of what I'm trying to say here. Sorry. Well, yeah. If you don't watch them regularly in <laughs> the course of 18 movies, that's understandable. If that's you don't why, remember all of them. That's why I like the Christopher Nolan movies, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> it's just Batman going after the mafia. <laughs> <laughs> Something more simple. Something more simple, you know. And they hire well, the I'm, Joker. That's well, it. I'm just thankful we have both options to choose from. <laughs> right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are people out there, Tim, that know every single aspect of the Marvel Cinematic Universe going back oh, to easily. Iron Man 1. Yeah. Know, so like... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, I love them, but I'm sure there's some, you know, where they just know every single detail like I would probably do in the Star Wars films and all that. Where it's just one of those things where I can't fully like devote as much time as I love to all these franchises that I like, yeah. <laughs> like I do with Star Wars or Batman or whatnot. But they're definitely out there. I know it. So <laughs> right now, I guess I'm just able to remember the basic plot details and. Yeah. Tell you the order of when all of them came out. <laughs> you know, it it also, I mean, it makes me wonder with this new DC, I mean, uh, Disney streaming service, are they going to have all of the Marvel movies plus all of like all of the um, animated series, like the the X Men animated series or the Spider Man one, or is it just going to be like the movies? I would hope so. I think that'd be great. It's- yeah, because I mean, they're gonna have they have to have enough content on there to warrant subscriptions. And we know there's getting exclusive stuff like the new Star Wars TV show and all that. But I would think they'd want to utilize their back catalog of what they have as well. So I'm hoping that's the case. It's, it's, I would love to have all those animated series on there. Yeah, That'd but that was that was like a Fox thing. That's why. So I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what the <laughs> if there are any rights issues regarding that or not. But hey, they're gonna be only Fox soon anyway, so <laughs> they yeah. probably won't. Be. I wonder if they're gonna put in the old uh, drum roll from, uh, or the oh. old fanfare, for Star Wars. Yeah, for Star Wars. 
Uh, I kind of doubt it, but yeah. part of me wants them to. <laughs> Just have that classic feel again. <laughs> but I guess that's our Marvel discussion <laughs> for oh, this yeah. episode. <laughs> this is the Marvel hour. Thank you for yeah. joining. <laughs> hey, it's fine by me, though. I, I, I love those movies, those comic book characters, so it's all good. By the way, you did forget uh, a couple of movies in there, Tim. Which ones? You forgot the Punisher movies. And you forgot <laughs> the the first Trinity, Tim. And yes, I'm talking about the Blade Trinity. <laughs> well, hey, I specifically did MCU movies, not all Marvel movies, oh. just MCU movies. <laughs> okay, I'll let it. Pass. Only the ones that connect together. <laughs> of course, I would have to mention all the X Men films too if I was doing every Marvel movie. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Like X Men, Blast from the Past. <laughs> what is it days called? of future past days, days of future past <laughs> you should probably and, see that movie again too <laughs> and, and, and what was the one like X-Men Dark Phoenix or something that's what's coming out this year it's called Dark Phoenix yeah okay but like what was the most recent one uh, Apocalypse Apocalypse yeah did I just miss that one or something? <laughs> Maybe a lot of I yeah. think a lot of people did. It didn't really do that great. Oh, really? I enjoyed it for what it is, but it's, I know it's not everyone's favorite. Yeah, but it's it's not the original X Men, right? No, it's, it's kind of like the um, it's kind of like when your favorite band gets back together, but they can't get everybody back together, <laughs> <laughs> and so well, like, they I, they have fill in musicians. <laughs> well, Hugh Jackman does have a pretty cool cameo in this one, though. Like, oh, he does? I thought he was yeah. done. Well, Apocalypse came out before Logan. so. Oh, in Apocalypse. So you're talking about this Dark Phoenix one. Oh, no. Oh. Not that I know of anyway. <laughs> this, this could be the first X-Men movie that has no appearance by Wolverine in it. So what you're saying is like they have like 25 movies out, um, Marvel. For, yeah. yeah. If you count all the X-Men films and those other ones that you mentioned, like even the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, the Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, right. So yeah, they have a lot more than 18. Yeah, <laughs> but, they have like 30. Yeah. Yeah. But just in the MCU is 18, which I think in itself is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> pretty good accomplishment. Definitely is. Yep. But with that, we can go ahead and go on to our listener feedback section. As Jordan sends us an email, as always, he goes, Hey, Tim and Dane and Alex, I'm sorry to say it, but I have trouble sympathizing with your exorbitant shipping costs, Dane. Haha, <laughs> you get to live in the Hawaii, dude. I've got to imagine that the beaches and beautiful weather make up for it. Well, Dane, do they? <laughs> um, not today because it's overcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it depends on the time of year. <laughs> yeah, I guess it depends on the time of the year, but um, I don't know. It's it's not only the shipping costs; it's also the living expense. <laughs> you know, it's like it, it, it's like I was saying. On our last episode, where I sometimes when I go to the mainland, I I just go to a supermarket because I I I just like going there because it's it amazes me how cheap everything is. It it's it's really it, it's kind of like thinking something costs a hundred dollars, and so you save up all your money and you're like, okay, I'm gonna get the thing. Um, for Tim, I guess it would be a a, a Ninja Turtle statue. So okay, I'm gonna get the Ninja Turtle statue, and then there's a lot of good turtle statues out there. I would love to get. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go and check out, and you realize it's 99 cents. 
<laughs> That's what it feels like to me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I would love it if that happened for a turtle statue like that. <laughs> uh, but uh, Jordan continues saying, thanks for clearing it up that it's probably John Blake's apartment in The Dark Knight Rises that he and Gordon are in. Rachel Gould should start calling you Detective Tim. <laughs> well, if he's going to start calling me Detective, I got to make sure everyone calls him by his proper pronunciation, Raish, and not Roz. <laughs> That's people still pronounce it as, which still, yeah. you know, bugs me a bit, I got to say. Raish, the one negative Raish. to come out of the Christopher Nolan trilogy. <laughs> he made Roz Al Ghul popular. There's another pronunciation that I'm blanking on. Really, it's pretty much just Raish or Roz. Maybe I'm just making that up. Or Raz. Yeah, Raz Al Ghul. Yeah, because I think, I think Christian Bale says that a couple times in Batman Begins. And uh, the Raz. one that I'm remembering right now was at Bruce's birthday party, that uh, lady who says, am I pronouncing this right? Mr. Raz Al Ghul? Oh, yeah. No, no. It, it was that lady. Sorry, it wasn't Christian Bale. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, it's, it's Raish. Raish. I will forever only call him Raish Al Ghul. I'm forever calling him what did that lady say? Raz. Raz. <laughs> you got to say it like she does. Yeah. Raz. <laughs> uh, Jordan says, I'm, I was very happy to hear that you loved Got- Batman Gotham by Gaslight too, Tim. Dang, get on this one. It's a masterpiece. Okay. You, yes. Jordan, you recommended it. Tim recommended it. I will buy it and I will give you give you my review of it. Look forward to that on the next episode. <laughs> Again, I'll try not. I don't want to build it up too much. I mean, you know, kind of like the Black Panther situation where it was getting yeah. so much hype that you couldn't help but feel, you know, it didn't quite live up to it. So yeah, it was warranted to, it, though. Yeah, but it it's really, really good. Yeah, it's really. really <laughs> I'm on board with Joaquin Phoenix playing the Joker in the Joker origin film. I've only ever seen him in one film, which is Her, but I liked his performance in that. And I know he's a very well-regarded actor. Plus, at this point, I have a ton of trust in DC casting, so I'm confident that he'll deliver a great performance if he does wind up signing on the dotted line. I knew Tim would be enthusiastic about TMNT and Justice 2 gameplay footage reveal. Pretty cool. Oh, that that reminds me, Tim. Uh, I did a rewatch of Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't like that movie. <laughs> you go back and forth on that one. Yeah, I know. I go back and forth. You know why? I'm going to explain to you why, because the beginning is really good. Um, when when Clark is, you know, he's a, he's a fisherman, you know, he's at school and he can't uh, focus, right? Uh-huh, yeah. You know, it, it, it's those sort of scenes that, you know, sort of uh, – make that a good movie and it, it's kind of sad that towards the latter half of the movie they don't rely on that so much in fact I think during the final fight sequence um, they throw like the entire story out the window and it's pretty much just a fight sequence mm, which and, yeah I can disagree but at the same time I'm all for <laughs> I, I love yeah. that I can sequence but <laughs> Yeah, Man of Steel is one of those movies where I actually just love more and more every time I see really? it. <laughs> yeah, because I I I I go, I go back and forth on it because it on the one hand it's such a great movie because you know we get what we didn't get in the Christopher Reeve Superman mm-hmm. where it's it's sort of like he's already Superman. Yeah, 
um, and but in Manistee, in Manistee, you get more of a background to him. You, yeah, you, just like the growth find, he, the growth he took to become him too. Yeah, yeah, and he can't really find his place until he. By the way, like I, I understand that um, Jor El is has been dead for a long time, but what is that thing on the um, in the Fortress of Solitude? Like. Pretty much the AI version of Jor-El. Yeah, is that AI or is that his consciousness? It's kind of a little of both, actually. <laughs> like, kind of sync, like, part of, like, his consciousness into the AI, but it's not really him. It's this Kryptonian technology just so advanced <laughs> more than ours that it's like he's there, but it's not really him, so... <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, Pretty much, I guess, a different, more updated version on those crystals from the Christopher Reeve Superman Movies where you got to talk to Jarrell. That's how I look at it, anyway. Yeah, but that that wasn't AI, right? That was Jarrell. Yeah, but like it's kind of the yeah through those crystals, it is you know mainly him. But that, yeah. to me, it's kind of like the merging of both, like with AI and with Jarrell. So yeah, I don't know about that, Tim. <laughs> um, but don't. but yeah, like I said, it's it's such a great movie because it shows that you know he is a. He he can't find his place in this in this world because he is an alien. Um, he's not he's not a human, and I. It's also a good thing and a bad thing because they could have done so much more, especially with Pa Kent. And yeah. I feel like Pa Kent was just um, wasted in this movie. And yeah, he's one of my negative complaints yeah. about the movie was how they handled Pa Kent. Yeah, so it. I don't know. It's it's a good movie in those scenes, but it's also not such a great movie in everything else. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence. I th- I do think uh, on this recent re- rewatch, I do think Henry Cavill is a really good Superman. I just think yeah. he hasn't gotten the right lines and stuff. He hasn't been directed very well, and also I think. Uh, Amy Adams is a really, really good Lois Lane. Um, not so much in Batman vs. Superman, uh, but in Man of Steel, she's a really good uh, Lois Lane. So, yeah, it's not such a good movie. Um, what, what I also did notice, though, was um, there is a lot of product placement in Man <laughs> yeah. of Steel. I mean, the IHOP. Um, mm. Sears, uh, Nikon, uh, <laughs> you uh, know what? Sony, I think it was. A lot of people, you know, hate product plays and views a negative towards movie. It doesn't bother me at all. I've never understood the complaint about product placement because, to me, like they're post, they're in a real world setting, you know, too, kind of and. We see that stuff daily in our everyday lives. What's the problem with seeing yeah, it in movies, too? But the, the problem I have with it is when they show it off, right? It's, it's so... I think uh, the James Bond series has this problem a lot where um, like they'll get like a Rolex uh, sponsorship uh-huh. and then you know James Bond is fighting the bad guy and then all of a sudden the camera pauses, it zooms in and you can see the Rolex. <laughs> okay. you know? And I think... Uh, Man of Steel has that problem too, where uh, 
you know, they stop for a second and then they're clearly holding a Nikon camera or whatever. <laughs> or um, I think uh, when Lois is about to get, um, or Lois is in the bar, she has her phone with her and then she uh-huh. pauses and then, or uh, Amy Adams' hand pauses and you can clearly see the uh, manufacturer of the phone on it. Like, oh, okay, so that's a Sony. So, and then she flips it over and, okay, this is the paper or whatever. You know, so, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's that it, it, it's not so much like like you know if if there's like a I don't know a PlayStation Four in the background, you know. The only one like product placement type scenario where kind of maybe more noticeable, I thought maybe scratched my head, was in the Amazing Spider-Man, where Peter Parker was using Bing to do a search. So yeah. Like <laughs> the thing that questioned me was like, I think he probably used Google, not Bing. Like, who uses Bing yeah, <laughs> to do a search? <laughs> Uh, Peter Parker is like this high tech guy. He made like the 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 web shooters and stuff. Why is he using Bing? Yeah, you know, <laughs> that was probably the most unrealistic thing in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dane, here's to hoping that the next time you rewatch Man of Steel, you'll have the more positive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the ebb and flow of Dane's Man of Steel watching. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's on one hand, like I said, it's on one hand. Such a great movie, but on the other hand, it's cartoons fighting. So, uh, well, I know you're not the only yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, the first divisiveness of the, that was just a taste of the divisiveness we're going to get with the DC <laughs> right, movie, right. which is being extended to Star Wars for some reason. Uh, yeah, no, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> <laughs> but Jordan continues saying, "Sorry to hear you didn't dig what you saw of Smallville, Dane." I'm glad you gave it a shot, though. To each their own. I'm surprised, though, given your love for Superman for all seasons, which the series is heavily inspired by, especially in the early seasons. If you do wind up checking out the Christopher Reeves episodes, uh, Season 2, Episode 17, Rosetta, and Season 3, Episode 17, Legacy, or the series finale, though, I would love to hear your thoughts on those. I think they're all excellent. But then again, I love the entire series. Well, Thanks, Jordan, for giving us the episode numbers and titles. I yeah, no. <laughs> oh, wow. So we could at least I couldn't remember the actual title. So. Okay, so you, season two, it, episode 17, and season three, episode 17, Legacy. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do love Superman for all seasons, um, but I think, I think the main difference is the reason why I like I, – I know they took the visual aspects of it, um, I know they took sort of the some story elements, how it's especially like the the the, the Lana story at the end and um, the Pakhan one at the beginning. Um, my problem with it is that Superman for all seasons is Superman not told by Superman. Um, it's Superman told by Pakhan. It's Superman told by Lana. It's Superman told by Lois and um yeah it's 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 just it's superman it's clark telling his own story and what i like about superman for all seasons is the fact that it's not being told by him it's it's somebody else's perspective of superman so if you take that into consideration i think the two show or the not the two shows the the graphic novel and the show are two different things so yeah 
it's not that I don't like Smallville. It's it's the fact that I I just don't think it's for me. You know, I don't think it was written for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just not the audience. Um, and maybe you are Tim, and maybe uh, you are Jordan. So, you know, uh, yep. th- that's a good thing. Nothing wrong with that. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, I would definitely though agree with Jordan with checking out at least those Christopher Reeve episodes. Those are probably. For me, anyway, some of the highlights of the entire series. Okay, I will, Tim. <laughs> if, if, then if after you, those two, you can be fully done with Smallville. Yeah. <laughs> if you and Jordan both recommend it. Yeah, so I will after you it. watch Gotham by Gaslight, just pop in those Smallville episodes. <laughs> right. should be on Hulu. <laughs> Jordan, continue oh, saying... Oh, wait, wait. Well, one more okay. thing. What if I just watch... Uh, those two episodes, and then I watch the series finale. Hey, that'll work too. Is the series finale good? It has its moments. I'll say that. Okay. <laughs> so no, then from you. <laughs> well, let's say I'm kind of mixed on it. I thought they did certain things that you know it was a good culmination of the entire series, and then felt they skimped on certain situations with him becoming Superman, <laughs> which oh, okay. was disappointing. So. But it ended with the best shot possibly for the series. <laughs> I will I will give it that. What is it? Or just him on the rooftop, you know, doing the classic Superman ripping up the shirt and having the S logo before he flies away. We don't see him fly away, but the camera just zooms into the classic Superman logo. So, oh, so did, that was they, did uh, Martha Kent make it for him? Or is it? Uh, did, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how they established the suit. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, if I remember right, I think they did establish that she did make it for him. Another negative thing about uh, Man of Steel (laughs) 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 is um, the beginning part. It's it's kind of like oh, I love the beginning with on Krypton. Yeah, on Krypton. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 kind of like it doesn't really make sense because. Like the Earth, not Earth, <laughs> Krypton. <laughs> Krypton is like falling apart, and they decide to hold a Senate meeting. Well, they weren't they weren't believing it. They didn't believe Jor-El. That was the whole thing. Their yeah, council, but everything was falling apart then. Well, that happened later, though. That was before everything started falling apart. I guess <laughs> it was only when that was all over. They sent uh, Zod to the Phantom Zone. That's when everything started, you know, just full destruction started happening. That's another thing, too. It's like you live in a, a, you're you're an alien race that has, that could terraform a planet to fit your needs, right? So that means you must have mastered space travel, which means... But then they said they, you know, abandoned that. They felt that that wasn't the best way for their species to continue on or, you know, progressing. But so they just abandoned that and wouldn't allow anyone to to space travel again, like for thousands of years, if I remember right. They they banned people from space travel. Yeah. Uh-huh. So Zod's ship wasn't space travel. No, they were just in like that ship in the Phantom Zone. But then they found one of those world engines that was on one of their old. You know, like it was a moon or a planet for one of their old ancestors uh, went to explore, and they used that world engine to power up their ship to make it travel. So, so they 
Oh my God, Tim! So, so you got to watch it again now. Well, Dana. Why don't they explain this? <laughs> they do. That's where I'm getting they this do? information from. Yeah, Zod says all that. We're in the Senate scene. No, in the beginning when he's telling Clark, like how you know they escaped the Phantom Zone, how they traveled, how they found his uh, once new Clark was on Earth. Once Clark activated the Kryptonian ship on Earth, it sent like a beacon to the ship they were on because they so, had the. How did Clark get to Earth? Well, that's the thing. Jarrell was doing something that was he shouldn't be doing. Technically, he was doing something illegal, but he did it anyway because he knew he had to save his son. <laughs> so he was building a spaceship in secret. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it it kind of doesn't make sense, Tim. But... <laughs> it makes sense enough. <laughs> But I don't know. And only that, like, I was thinking about Superman as a whole. Uh, right? And I was thinking, like, Clark or Ma and Pa can't find Clark. Right? And they decide to raise him. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not only that. It's also the fact that, like, how did they get him a social security number and, like, a birth certificate <laughs> and, like, you know, all these necessary papers that we need. Well, I think they made it to a, you know, like adoption type. Well, like adoption. Adopted, so, yeah. Yeah. But then like they're, 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 they're going to ask like, how did you get the, or who, who, who's the mom? Where's the, where's the parent? Well, they could just felt they found an abandoned child. You know, they didn't know who his parents were and all that, but they decided to take him in. Okay. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I choose to believe you, Tim. <laughs> uh, sometimes you just have to Dean. <laughs> i guess so sometimes you just have to because i was just wondering like how does clark get a driver's license you know <laughs> i'm sure they took all they took care of all the legality stuff once they decided to take him in because even I, in smallville I, they get into that where lionel luthor helps with that really to make it, yeah uh, because he doesn't have a birth certificate or a social security card yeah <laughs> because <laughs> Last well, year, I don't know those specific reasons, but they have a flashback yeah. where the Kents helped the Luthors after the meteors hit. And then, you know, he helped with them adopting Clark and making, I guess, everything official. Yeah, because last year I had to renew my license and I needed my birth certificate. I needed my Social Security card and I needed two pieces of mail, uh, official bills to uh, get my license. And I was like, how does Clark? get get a you know driver's license or uh <laughs> you know whatever <laughs> yeah i guess that's the stuff you know they don't have to worry about spending too much time on you know the minutiae stuff <laughs> that doesn't really matter the long one you just know they took care of it you just don't know how <laughs> yeah right, right but speaking of man of steel yeah jordan Sorry. goes into <laughs> that next part of his email saying now that i've seen both bonus scenes from justice league I'm infuriated that they didn't make it into the final cut of the film. In two minutes of extra footage, we've heard the Man of Steel music more than we heard it in the entire two hours of the final cut of the movie. That's absurd. I'll reiterate that I do like Justice League as it is, but as I stated in my last email, my biggest complaint about it is probably that the Man of Steel music is almost non-existent. Not only is that music just beautiful, but it would have added so much more emotional weight to the Superman scenes in the film. And it would have provided so much more connective tissue between Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and Justice League. 
I can't believe that both bonus scenes we got were cut from the movie are ones that actually use the Man of Steel music. Ridiculous. Is he talking about the um, the song at the end of the movie? Uh, Man of Steel? Yeah, just the theme that plays out throughout the movie. Oh, I mean, okay. It's a great theme. Like that, yeah. The score for Man of Steel is fantastic. Yeah, it is. I was going to say, can you at least say that, give it that day? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love the music for Man of Steel. Uh, it's just everything else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as far as those two extra scenes, I'm holding off on seeing all of them until I get the actual Blu-ray. I want to have one <laughs> to see one of those scenes <laughs> on the actual disc and not have it, you know, just watch a YouTube clip of it. So I saw the first one that came out a while ago, but I'm saving to see the rest of it once I actually get the Blu-ray disc, which should be just in about two or three weeks now. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know why they released it so early. Uh, yeah, I hate that it takes a month. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe I'll rent it to um, to see if uh, my opinions change on it. Oh, I'll give you props for that, but I kind of doubt it will. <laughs> Knowing your reaction from the last time. No, but maybe it could be another Man of Steel scenario where do you like it more this time? Then you won't like it as much the next time yeah. <laughs> you see it. It's just uh, Steppenwolf, right. you know? I I don't think he was the right villain. The could have been better, but I don't think he was as bad as everyone says he was. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> no need to get into that all over again. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Jordan continues saying, other than the fact that it had to clean up the atrocious mess from the end of Batman 39, I thought Batman 40 was excellent. Spoilers. Just to get to the beginning out of the way, I will say that it was probably the best case scenario for how things could have played out between Batman and Wonder Woman, given how things ended in the previous issue. Tom King should never have put them in that position. But given that he did, I don't think it could have been resolved any better than it was, which is a good thing. Batman did reaffirm his love for Catwoman by backing away from the kiss. Again, that was a terrible way to show to show him reaffirming said love, but I can at least appreciate the intention behind what King was doing. Can you the imagine if um, Wonder Woman and Batman did kiss? Yeah, I imagine can, this can, can portion you, of Jordan's email yeah, all in caps, tons of exclamation <laughs> points of how much he hated it. <laughs> It'd be like 30,000 words, Tim. Yeah. It'd be like a novel. <laughs> yes, it'd be way of Jordan venting out so much anger. <laughs> but thankfully, that wasn't the case, and you can breathe a sigh of relief, Jordan. Yeah, and then he would go on his podcast and do like a six-hour podcast. Yeah, <laughs> of just him talking about this. <laughs> yep, I believe it, but it'd probably make for a really good episode. <laughs> yeah, and that's how passionate of a fan he is. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the stuff with Selena and Julian was great. Even though she was furious with him, I think that she probably wasn't able to put herself in his shoes and think about what it would be like to not see Bruce for a thousand years. She let him see his wife, but she made sure he kept it brief. The ending is where the issue just blew me away. I loved it so, so much. When Batman and Wonder Woman get transported back to Earth, Wonder Woman starts to ask where they are. Batman doesn't even let her finish before replying, home, as soon as he sees Catwoman. Catwoman is Batman's home. She is his rock. That's because, as I said so many times before, she's the one who showed Batman that he can still love. That moment made me cry tears of joy, just like Catmoon was doing in that moment when she saw him. After an unbelievable 37 long, arduous years of being away from the love of his life, Batman finally got to see his fiancée again. Then Wonder Woman says that despite what many people say about her, she considers Wonder- Catwoman a hero. That is what I've always said about Catwoman, and it was amazing to hear that coming out of Wonder Woman's mouth. 
That is the highest of praise coming from her. After that, Catwoman says that next time the gentleman needs a break, she will fight alongside Batman. That really makes me hope we get this, that story at some point. Think about it. Batman and Catwoman could spend years and years together, just the two of them, while barely any time even passes back on Earth. That would be amazing. And frankly, it's what I would have preferred that this story would have been. While I was extremely disappointed with one aspect of this Wonder Woman part of the Super Friends arc, things did end so strongly in Batman 40. Now I'm ready to move on to seeing Batman and Catwoman fighting together to take down Poison Ivy and Everyone Loves Ivy. The preview pages that just came out look amazing. Followed by the wedding planning issue in Batman 44, followed by Batman and Catwoman traveling through Batman's life with Booster Gold, leading up to the wedding in Batman 50. I can't wait for what's to come. Bat Cat Forever from the first kiss to the last. Yeah, yeah I agree, Jordan. Jordan is oh. going to be so heartbroken when <laughs> things reset. Uh, and let him enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah. Hopefully it will be a while. <laughs> but I, I agree with what you said and how the story idea of Batman and Catwoman fighting in that dimension, that should have been the story from the get-go with this one. It just would have you know, established their relationship even further and strengthened their bond before their wedding. So I kind of feel that was a missed opportunity there as well. But he continues saying, Lego, Lego DC Superheroes The Flash was just not my jam. I'll keep my thoughts non-spoilery, although much like with Scooby-Doo and Batman Raven the Bold, there's not much to spoil with a film like this. It's just too silly for my taste, much like all the previous DC Lego films. I will say, will say that the zaniness works better for a movie focused mostly on a more lighthearted hero like The Flash. But it still isn't my cup of tea. Remember that scene in the trailer of Batman giving Ace a belly rub and making that awful voice that I said I never wanted to hear Batman make again? It's just not in that film once. It happens twice because part of the plot is that Reverse Flash puts the Flash in a time loop. That part of the plot was pretty awesome, actually. I dug the idea of the Flash being a Groundhog Day situation where he has to relive the same day over and over. A plot that was uh, coincidentally also used uh, less than a week later on Legends of Tomorrow. What I didn't find all that interesting was the second part of the Reverse Flash plan, which I don't want to completely spoil here because there is a bit of a twist involved. I wasn't a big fan of many of the voice performances in this movie, which is another issue I have with it. I love Jason uh, Spicek as Kid Flash in Young Justice and t Titans The Judas Contract, but I don't care for his Joker voice at all, whom he portrays here, rephrasing that role from the Lego DC superheroes Justice League Gotham City Breakout. Conversely, I did really appreciate Tom Kenny rephrasing his role as the Penguin from the Batman yet again. Well, I will also give this film credit is in how many characters show up. The movie is filled to the brim with cameos from characters from all corners of the DC universe. To continue and end with a positive note, two little highlights that stood out for me are Aquaman's room in the Hall of Justice. It's so awesome, as it's pointed out in the film. And uh, Badge's first appearance, which I bet Tim will appreciate as a big Green Lantern fan. Yes, even though I haven't seen the movie yet, uh, it's cool to hear that Badge is in this movie, who's the successor of Chip the chipmunk green lantern who you know has been a fan favorite character so it's cool that they're bringing him in there i hope i'm saying that name right because it's spelled b apostrophe dg so i think it's pronounced badge if, hopefully if i remember right but badge. <laughs> i'll correct. always take four chipmunk green lanterns so. <laughs> um then he has a couple of questions as always he says what is your favorite dc universe team base of operations not counting solo hero headquarters like the bat cave or fortress of solitude there are so many awesome ones, such as the Watchtower, the Hall of Justice, Titan's Tower, and Mount Justice. 
as a huge Smallville fan, I got to go with the Watchtower, but specifically the Smallville version. I have so many great memories of events and conversations that happened there, both on the show and in the season 11 comics. There's also so much emotion associated with it, given that, spoiler, it was Jimmy's gift to Chloe right before he died. I'll give an honorable mention to Titan's Tower, since I've always thought the design of it was cool. And I like how it really feels like a home rather than just a base of operation for superheroing. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go with the Watchtower, the Justice League Unlimited version. Uh, well, even the one before that, the Justice League series that they had were just the seven members. That's, you know, the one I've seen the most watching that series for so many years. I just love how it's set in space. And, you know, <laughs> and of course, that Bruce paid for it and he's able to share it with everyone. Just the perfect base of operations for the League to watch over the Earth. I one thing I didn't like about it was how in Justice League Unlimited they just had you know normal humans work there just as a day job. I thought that sounded a little strange for <laughs> these heroes to do that, especially with all their abilities. I think they'd be able to maintain it of themselves, but the fact they had normal humans uh, beam up there every day <laughs> was a little bit weird. But I'll always love the Watchtower, and I agree though, Jordan, the Teen Titans Tower or the Titans Tower is really cool just because. It's just a big T building. And with someone with the letter T in his first name, how can I not love that as well? So <laughs> I'll go with those two. How about you, Dane? Any of those headquarters stick out to you as your favorite? Um, well, Plastic Man doesn't have a headquarters. So, <laughs> so everything's so. irrelevant. You're right. <laughs> yeah, everything is irrelevant. I mean, I don't... The, if, if Plastic Man did have a headquarters, Tim, it... it, it Nothing else would compare to it. I'm trying to think, what would a Plastic Man headquarters be? I don't know. There'd be a lot of plastic, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Plastic Man has never really made sense, you know, because plastic doesn't stretch. I mean, I guess it does, <laughs> but, you know, if you have like a plastic cup, right, uh -huh. you can't stretch the cup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just maybe his base is just full of different items that are made of plastic, no matter what it is. Yeah. <laughs> the plastic base. <laughs> but the second question is, do you want whoever scores Matt Reeves' Batman film to use the Batman v Superman Batman theme, use the Batman uh, 89 theme, or create a new theme for Batman? I actually like the Batman v Super theme a lot more than most because I think it works very well for a Batman who has lost his way and is in a very dark place. That's precisely why I think it was the right choice not to use it again in Justice League, as Batman had been inspired out of the dark place by that point. The Batman 89 theme worked pretty well in Justice League, in my opinion, despite the fact that it was a humongous issue, or the fact, despite the fact that I take humongous issue with Danny Elfman's egotistical comments about it being the only Batman theme. However, I'm torn on whether I'd want to use it again in Reeves' movie. For continuity's sake, I think it would be smart to continue with it. That being said, if the composer on Reeves' film comes up with a new th a new theme that's great, I wouldn't be all for that too, or I would be all for that too and might prefer it, since Elfman's theme is actually isn't even my favorite Batman theme. That would be Hans Zimmer's from the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah, this is a great question, Jordan. Um, right now, I'm kind of leaning towards just creating a brand new theme because, as you said, the one from Batman v Superman just fit for Batman being in that dark place and now that he's assuming that this movie by Matt Reeves is going to take place in the same continuity and after the events of that, it wouldn't make sense to use that again. And I don't think they should use Danny Elfman's theme again for a new movie all about Batman. It worked well for, you know, little cameo appearances. 
uh, in Justice League in certain moments since it was a full team up movie and you had all these characters and ones that just about Batman. So I thought it worked well there. But when you're just telling a new Batman story, it's a movie just about him. I think it'd be good to have a brand new theme for it. So that's what I would pick right now. How about you, Dane? Um, use the 66 theme. <laughs> is what I think. Remix you know it. You know, I'll do just, a remix on it. Yeah, I think there could be like a cool orchestral remix adaption of it that works but still has a 66 theme yeah. or melody to it. <laughs> or, or, or you know how like in, at least in the Sam Raimi movies, how they would play the the spider-man uh theme but it would uh, it, it would be on like oh somebody's ringtone you know yeah or it was a street performer with street a dial performer, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something like that <laughs> uh, yeah so let's go with that <laughs> but that wraps up jordan's email so as always jordan thank you for sharing your thoughts with us on all the batman happenings the last few weeks and we'll look forward to hearing from you again in our next episode you know it's kind of amazing that um Oh, yeah. Th- thank you, Jordan, for sending in your email. We always enjoy reading them, even though I don't like Smallville. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I was going to say is uh, I didn't know uh, Black Panther made $200 million. Oh, yeah. Way exceeded expectations yeah. <laughs> or projections. Yeah, because I'm looking at the biggest opening weekends. Of course, Force Awakens and Last Jedi are one and two. Then, um, I think it's Avengers. No, it's uh, Jurassic World. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and then, then Avengers. Yeah, then Avengers and the then Black Panther. Um, what surprised me is, do you know what uh, movie is at number seventeen, Tim? All time for opening weekend. Yeah. Seventeen. Mm. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't think the Star Wars movies are that well. So. <laughs> yeah, not not. It's not a Star Wars movie, Tim. It's a comic book movie. Yeah. It does have something to do with Marvel. Hmm. Is it the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man? It's Spider-Man 3, Tim. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, thankfully, the I, I assume Spider-Man 1 and 2 are all much higher than that. No, actually, yeah. I think 3 might be higher than 2. Because 3 had a really big opening weekend, if I remember right. Um... It did not, because it's Spider-Man is the the next Spider-Man movie that uh, did 114 million okay. uh, at number 37. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. Even though you know it's a far superior movie, I should have realized that. You know, I being coming out a few years later, ticket price would be a little more expensive, and just how the buzz for a sequel for the Spider-Man movie yeah. would have it do more. So I should have realized that. <laughs> Um, let's see. Man of Steel is number thirty-four, with hundred sixteen million. Uh, and <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is at number forty-nine. Wait, how much does that make it as opening weekend? Hundred, hundred million. Okay. Um, man, was that Beauty and the Beast movie really that good? It's a, it's at number eight. It made a, yeah, it made a, like 175 or something like that. 174. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's good for the type of movie that it is a fantasy like, retelling of the animated classic. It's good for that. But oh, you've seen it. Yeah, I've seen yeah. it. But I would have never expected to do that much. <laughs> it's like almost make 200 million. Yeah, that's, Dark Knight is number 13. Man, that used to be number one. <laughs> yeah. 
didn't last long though. But this just shows uh, how many cool movies we've gotten since then. And you know, just looking at the numbers and um, uh, seeing Bat- Batman vs Superman and number eleven, uh, mm. it, it's one hundred sixty-six million. Um, and Justice League isn't even on here. Yeah. It, 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 it kind of <laughs> makes sense why Warner Brothers kind of shook things up. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it on yeah. episodes after the aftermath of this disappointing box office where they pretty much had to do something with it, making as little as it did its opening weekend. I mean, not even cracking 100, that's that's pretty bad. Yeah, because even uh, Suicide Squad is uh, yeah. number 25. No matter what you say about you know not liking any of the DC DCEU movies, they all opened really well, and you know, DC, Warner Brothers had to be happy with the performances as far yeah. as opening weekends. But Justice League didn't even have that, which well, is you know, <laughs> more it, problems. It, it it has to do with, uh, you know, it it made a lot of money, but not as much money as they expected it to. Yeah, not, so and nor what it should have made when you had all these characters together. Yeah, <laughs> still get kind of bummed out when I think about how. <laughs> How poorly Justice League did, even though I really liked the movie. Just that, it yeah. just was a failure. That's <laughs> I hate saying that that's a failure, but it is. It's just disappointing. I didn't know uh, Force Awakens made two hundred forty-seven million dollars. Oh yes, it made it cleaned up. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That it's really good to see. You know. Oh yes, that's what I was. You know, one of the things I was hoping for. <laughs> the Star Wars take the crown back. Domestically, anyway, for biggest opening weekend and biggest movie of all time domestically, but yeah, sticking Avatar still has it worldwide. Uh, biggest opening weekend, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, f- 529 million uh, in 2015. Do, do you know what uh, the biggest opening weekend was in 2017? Um, was it Captain America? Oh, wait, Last Jedi, no. Fate of the Furious. No. The, the the Fast and the Furious movie. No, Last Jedi made more. Opening weekend you're talking about? Yeah, opening weekend record holder. No, there's no way. It's true, I, Tim. That's what I'm reading. Well, worldwide <laughs> or domestic? Uh, I don't know. It just says in U.S. dollars. No, it has to be Last Jedi. The bad, Fate of the Furious did not make 200 and whatever million like the last shit I did. We're just talking about the top five opening weekend movies and Fate of the Furious wasn't on there. I don't know. It says opening weekend record holders worldwide. Oh, worldwide. Oh, there you go. Yeah, okay. worldwide. Which to me, I think is still a problem about the Fate of the Furious has that. <laughs> <laughs> so Hopefully Solo can break it. <laughs> Solo? Uh, I don't know. It's not part of the main trilogy. I know it's not going to do numbers like that. I'm already <laughs> expecting that. <laughs> I can hope. But anyway, with that, we can go ahead and go into our comic book reviews. Uh, for this episode, I'm going to be reviewing Batman number 41, Detective Comics 974, and keeping with the TMNT theme, Batman TMNT number two, issue four. And as always, we're going to be going into spoilers when reviewing these books. So if you haven't read them yet, might want to hold off, read them, and then hear the reviews. And for our rating scale. What's it going to be, Dane? We've got a lot of probably options to choose from from some of the topics we talked about um, <laughs> on this episode. Probably uh, something about Marvel, since we talked about Marvel a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hmm. 
the Marvel villains that Dane misremembered. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or how about hmm, story points or plot points that Dane has to remember before he sees Infinity War? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which you, which should be a, a scale of one to. 300 million, Tim. <laughs> I was going to say 18 because of how many, how many movies there are right now. But <laughs> Yeah, because I remember absolutely zero of anything, of anything that has to do with those Marvel movies. Okay, so story and plot point that Dane has to remember from the MCU before we see Infinity War. So first up is going to be Batman number 41. This is starting off the new Poison Ivy, Poison Ivy story arc from Tom King that Jordan alluded to in his email. And first off, I just got to bring out the biggest positive about this issue. The artwork. Man, is this a beautiful comic <laughs> by Michael Janin doing the art. And then Jude Chung for the colors, too, because it's a color that I thought really stood out. I mean, the splash pages of, of that showcase Poison Ivy is just really, really well done. It is really showcasing, you know, how... Poison Ivy uses her beauty to seduce her victims. And this really comes across in this issue by the artwork here. So really well done. But as far as the actual story goes, it's setting up where Poison Ivy is pretty much taking over the planet, gaining control over every every person on it, no matter if it's regular humans or metahumans. And it starts out with Bruce uh, waking up. He just well, he hears the voice of Poison Ivy, you know, trying to talking to him and you know, trying to gain control the way Poison Ivy usually does with her words. So he gets up out of bed, runs to the hallway and sees Alfred there. And right away, he just, you know, Bruce is trying to resist the control that Poison Ivy's taking over him. and But he's having trouble and he sees Alfred and he punches him and knocks him out. I was like, oh, okay. So does Poison Ivy have him under her control already? But instead he goes down to the Batcave uh, and then Selena walks in. And as she's going towards him, you know, she hugs him, is about to kiss him. Bruce grabs, you know, a sedative on his table and he injects that into Selena's neck and then he injects himself. So, but after that, we get this one of those cool splash pages where you see these vines coming out all over the page and it's showing everyone who's infected by poison ivy and that she has control over and they're all saying the same thing. I love you too. And talking to poison ivy, we see it's Superman, airline pilots, soldiers, terrorists, sporting, sporting athletes, the Pope. Even the president, which is you know drawn as Donald Trump, which uh, I don't like it when comics do that. They take the real world, you know, current president. DC never used to do that too much. They have sometimes, but it takes me out of like the fantasy aspect of it a little bit. So, but just to show that everybody is being infected by poison ivy. But then we get the next sequence where Bruce and Selena are in bed, but they're in their costumes of Batman and Catwoman, and. Before thinking that Bruce was in control of Poison Ivy by punching Alfred and then injecting uh, Selena with the sleeping sedative, uh, it turns out he was trying to protect them, you know, inject them with that sedative. And it turned out to be actually a formula that's going to prevent prevent Bruce and Selena from being, you know, uh, being controlled by Poison Ivy. But he wasn't able to do that to Alfred. So Alfred comes in the room talking, but it's really Poison Ivy using him kind of as a puppet to say what she wants to say. And she's telling him, she gets, tells the story of how, you know, Joker one time took on Superman and uh, he took some hostages. And before uh, to make Superman harder for him to find those hostages, he encased them in lead. So but so Superman wouldn't find them. But that actually worked to Superman's advantage where he used his X-ray vision, you know, to see everything in the city and whatever he couldn't see. He knew that's where the hostage would be and held in lead. So 
Superman was able to stop the Joker. And Poison Ivy uses that reference to Bruce and Selina. You know, even though I, I don't have you under my control, you're the only two in the whole world who aren't under my control, and you won't be a problem because I'll always know where you're at and know it's just only you two. And that she kind of stresses that to them. You know, you may not be under my control, but uh, you're not really uh, a problem or not even a concern. You're just ashamed, like just a little disappointment. And there was this other pretty cool moment where, as Bruce sees Alfred the talking through, or Poison Ivy talking through Alfred, he was going to punch Alfred to probably try to snap him out of it. But Poison Ivy has control of everyone. So she sends the Flash to take in the punch that Bruce was going to land on Alfred. And we just see Alfred or the Flash get nailed by Bruce and is knocked out on the floor. And Poison Ivy just goes, you know, you want to do that again? There are more flashes available I can use. So I thought that was a good, funny use of the character. So the issue ends with Bruce and Selina just wondering what they're going to do. Selina just keeps asking Bruce, you know, you know, what's our next move? Like we, the league, all of the people we know, the families, what are we going to do? And Bruce just says, I don't know. So uh, this issue setting up an interesting scenario with Poison Ivy, having control of everyone in the world. I'm just curious to how that happened, what she was able to do to, you know, have that much control ever, over everybody. So I'm curious to see where the story goes and the explanation that Poison Ivy has this much power to control everyone. So I'm still waiting to learn that before, you know, I really get sold on the story that's being told here. But again, the artwork was fantastic. This is already going to be an issue that's up for uh, best artist of the year, in my opinion. It just really stood out to me. Um, so I'm going to give this one three out of five story and plot points that Dane has to remember and rewatch from the MCU before he sees Infinity War. It's still a lot. <laughs> just going to get higher, Dane. I know. <laughs> so next up is Detective Comics 974. And this one is, you know, setting up the aftermath of what happened in of the previous arc where Batwoman shot and presumably killed Clayface in Cassandra Kane's arms. And this is exactly what the issue picks up from. The first page is Cassandra crying and screaming as she holds Clayface's or Basso Carlo's dead body. And it's kind of turning into clay and just, you know, the shock everyone had. Uh, Red Robin and spoiler go to the crime scene. And then uh, the doctor who's been working with Basil to try to cure him there and confirms that he's dead. And then she asks, like, who could have done this? And Tim right away goes, I know exactly who did it. And then we get to some really great stuff in this issue as Batman confronts Batwoman. Because Batwoman just says, uh, Batwoman tonight's target is down. The Batman just falls down and storms down on the building where she's at. He just says, stop giving orders and just snatches the gun away from her. Just says, how could you? And, you know, like, how could you even think of doing this? Killing one of our team members with a gun, no less. He doesn't say specifically those words, but that's what, pretty much what he's implying here. And then I just love when Tim and Spoiler comes in because Batwoman's saying the usual. There was no other choice. Like, what else was I supposed to do? He was going to kill innocent people. There was, I would do it again if I had to. But then Tim says it, comes in and says, you know, we always find a way. That is something we always do. The idea of us is to be better because she got us given examples, you know, military police they would have done the same thing to save lives and tim just says you know the idea is we're supposed to be better than all that and to me that just encompasses what you know batman the heroes he works for that's what they're all about that's why they don't you know have that's why they have the no kill rule they don't kill anyone because they're supposed to be better than that and rise above uh, those type of scenarios to take a life to to end the situation even if it does make sense because batwoman is right i mean it was probably the right call but we know that Batman always finds another way to 
to get out of that situation without, you know, taking a life. But my favorite part of this issue, probably one of my favorite moments from Cassandra Kane and the entire run by James Tinian comes here where she confronts Batwoman. She just screams at her. Why? Like he, he could have been good. If he was my friend. I would, I could have saved him. And Batwoman tries, you know, telling all, oh, just doing it to save your life. And Orphan or Cassandra Kane was just saying, you know, instead of trying to save my life, you ended up hurting it. And then this is what I loved here. She just turns to Batwoman and rips off the bat symbol on her uniform. And she goes, this symbol is special. It means don't kill. It means never kill. And that was just perfectly said. That's what that bat symbol represents. And everyone who wears it should have the the not taking a life and that rule that Batman had. I just loved how that was brought to the forefront here. And that Cassandra Kane was the one to bring that out to Batwoman, given how she had the closest relationship to Basil Carlo. So then Azrael and Batwing come in and they're kind of siding more on Batwoman's side here where, you know, she had, she had a tough call, but, but she made the right one and had, and, you know, to save everyone else, she had to do what she had to do. But Batman, you know, when someone kills someone on his team using a gun, he's not going to have it. He just tells Batwoman, you're excused. And he says, if you want to leave with her, you're welcome to do so as well, talking to Azrael and Batwoman. So the team is pretty much split here. And then we get a little bit of the aftermath with uh, Glory Griffin, Basil Carlo's uh, girlfriend from the annual issue and the one who was uh, Mudface, part of the victim syndicate who was like Clayface. Uh, the formula that the doctor was going to use for Basil she ended up using on Glory here to fix her from being uh, Mudface anymore. But, you know, she doesn't, she kind of lets her have it for what she did to Basil here, turning him into that monster, being part of the crime syndicate. So even though she, she helped Glory here because it was Basil's wish, she's, you know, really wasn't really forgiving her. I mean, she got, she just tells her, you have a second chance, like, please make it worthwhile and in honor of Basil. So that pretty much, I think, wraps up her arc and her connection to Basil Carlo here. But then we see the fallout with all the teammates here, Batman. Or first off, we get Tim and Stephanie Brown here, where Stephanie just says to Tim, she has to get out. Like she thought things would be better and to figure things out for himself once Tim came back, but things really didn't change. And she has to leave Tim for a little bit because she can't stand seeing Tim do this to themselves, trying to put all this pressure uh, to make sure everything works according to his plan, but just really hurting himself more than helping. So she's going to leave to get away from that. Then, you know, without, of course, hurts Tim. He doesn't know what to do. He's distraught because everything that's proceeding right now, he thinks he's going to end up into that future Tim Drake that came back as Batman. And he just, you know, really lets his emotion out in front of Bruce here, which was nice to see. And just saying how, you know, I just can't seem to escape that. And he always sets that line. He thinks Batman is a curse, one that I can't escape, knowing that future awaits for him. So it was kind of just, you know, good to see Tim letting his feelings out and emotions and Bruce being there to comfort him, even though it wasn't things he really probably didn't want to hear. And then the aftermath with Kate here uh, being kicked out, she's confronted by her father and he tells her, of course, you know, you did the right thing, you saved lives and they won't understand, but I do. And he tells her, you know, you're a soldier more than anything. And now it's time for your real mission to begin. And he gives her a new Batwoman costume with a different symbol. So it looks like she's going to be working for him now and, not part of the Batman team. So then the issue ends. This is probably my only negative of the issue was that it leaves kind of on a weak cliffhanger where we get the reveal that, you know, brother eye is being activated, but it's being activated by uh, Ulysses Armstrong. One of Kate's father, one of his, you know, his tech guy uh, from the colony days when they were trying to attack Batman and his team. So 
Uh, he was never really a character I had that much invest- investment in or thought he would make a great villain, but it looks like that's what he's kind of leaning towards now. So we'll see what James Tinian does for him. Make, maybe he will make him a viable villain for Batman once in this team now that they're split apart, but we'll see. I think the more exciting part is that Brother Eyes being activated. So, But overall, I really love this issue. A lot of great dramatic moments between the characters here and the team dynamic kind of falling apart. And like I said, when we're talking about James Tinian leaving, this does feel like the beginning of the end for his run here in the end of an era with this Bat team. So this was great. I'm going to give it four and a half out of five story and plot points that Dane has to rewatch from the MCU before he sees Infinity War. And then we get to the main event, Batman TMNT number two, issue four. Yes, this is like I was talking about being able to read a comic where the turtles fight Bane and then be able to play it in an actual video game was so much fun. And that's because this fight scene with the turtles, Batman and Robin against Bane was really, really fun. Maybe not quite as lengthy as I would hope, but again, we got two more issues left and I'm sure the final fight is going to be a lot bigger. So can't really complain too much. But it was a cool action sequence seeing Bane, Bebop, and Rocksteady, and then foot soldiers all infused with venom going to go up against the turtles. But and right away, I love how the fight starts off with Bebop and Rocksteady. You know, they're two imbeciles despite how strong they are as mutant rhinoceros and a mutant uh, warthog. But now infused with venom, they're still not any brighter. And Damien takes advantage of that, planting a bomb on Bebop's uh, one of his tubes that has the venom injected and kind of breaks it apart. That what sets the battle off where the turtles... Batman and Robin just go all out against fighting the foot soldiers. But then the, one of the coolest aspects of the fight was seeing Bane take on Raphael here. Bane recognizes, you know, that, you know, Roth is one of the more, you know, ones who uses his emotions in his fightings, you know, and probably one of the more better fighters of the turtles. So he goes after him first and we get a brutal fight saying is where he, Roth got a few good hits in there, but Bane with his brute strength, you know, just tosses Roth aside gets him down pretty quick. And then we got a tease of the nightfall sequence that was about to happen where Bane lifts Raph over his head and is about to break his shell on his knee. And we got this great panel of Splinter on one side, Batman on the other side with their mouths open and then shock seeing Raph about to go through what Batman did in nightfall. But then Splinter intervenes and they able to get Raph out of Bane's clutches and knock Bane down for a bit. Anytime Splinter enters into a fight, it's always awesome, whether it's in the animated series or in one of the movies. I always love it when Splinter gets into the action because he really is one of the greatest martial artists out there. And so seeing him in action against Ben was really cool, using his speed and his agility to, you know, evade Bane's attack and land a few hits here and there. But once he gets distracted by seeing Raphael going to check on him, that was Bane's opening and he just picks him up and just smashes him into the wall and then bunch of the debris of the building starts falling on Splinter here where he gets trapped. That causes the Turtles and Batman and Robin to stop fighting and go save him right away, which in turn lets Bane and the rest of the foot soldiers, including Baxter and Thogman, escape. And, you know, Batman and the Turtles, they're able to rescue Splinter and they're regrouped back in the sewers. So cool action sequences there, but then we get more of the personal character moments, which is one of the, it's always a highlight in these Batman and Turtle stories. Kind of seeing Batman be the mentor figure for the turtles. You really get that mentor relationship, father figure relationship with Batman and the turtles, even the short amount of time they spent together. But I think James Tinian just did a great job of establishing that in the first story arc. And it's continuing here in the second one, just building off that as Batman trying to comfort them in a defeat, letting them know, you know, that they lost this one, but you know, we got to work out another plan and regroup and just not 
toss blame around because Donatello is still blaming himself for what happened, causing all this, not being smart enough uh, to stop it. And then he has the idea that if in order to stop Bane, because we tried everything, it didn't work. In order to stop him, we got to play by his rules. And he stole a canister of venom. And he's thinking about using that on himself and the other turtles to, you know, even the playing field. Yeah, as usual, Raph would agree with him, but Leo and Batman, they're they don't have they're not gonna have that. They think it's just crazy. And so they at first think they're convincing Donnie that no, that's not the way to go. You know, we can't, you know, don't want to go to a place we might not come back from. And just tell him, Don't blame yourself, you know, that you're brilliant, you're a smart you're the smartest one here, but this is something that you just shouldn't do. And then Donnie just leaves the room just saying, like, yeah, whatever. So while Batman and the Turtles kind of regroup, start to plan their next move, uh, we well, actually before that <laughs> there just is this page where I felt maybe it was a little over the top, but I did like how it looked visually, as Bane is kind of gonna announce to New York City that he's you know the number one crime boss out there and the city is his. What better way to do that than to put a giant sized version of his luchador mask over the Statue of Liberty? <laughs> like it's a little out there, but at the same time visually it did kind of look cool seeing Bane's mask on the Statue of Liberty. So that's a wee surprise. But the issue ends with Batman and Leonardo planning, you know, a new plan of attack to get Bane and to stop him. But while they're talking about that, we see Donatello going off on his own and he injects himself with the venom. And the last page is this scene of Donatello bulked up with venom, just like Bane does. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he comes out of that. And just because it's pretty if I'm just going to guess ahead here, we're probably going to get a fight sequence with Donatello fighting Batman and the Turtles and the tur- other Turtles as he's hooked on Venom. Because uh, that's usually what happens with whoever a new character gets hooked on this stuff. And, you know, it doesn't make you think right. And I'm sure it's going to turn him against the Turtles for a little bit. But the only negative I will say about that, that they put it on the cover that Donatello takes the Venom. I mean, right on there, you see him with the tubes and the venom going in into his body. So like, why did they put that on the cover? They were saving that for the big, you know, cliffhanger ending of the issue. So I knew it was coming. So it wasn't that big of a surprise, which, you know, was kind of disappointing that they had that right on the cover. But other than that, another really great entry into the story. For four issues in now, and there's only two left. It's probably safe to say, I don't think this one is going to be quite as great as the first uh, story that James Tinian did, but this is still a really Worthy successor, in my opinion. Just another fun story, great action, and great character moments, which is what I really love about this series. And it's continuing here. So I'm going to give this one four out of five uh, story points and plot points from the MCU that Dane has to rewatch before he sees Infinity War. So, yeah, it was great geeking out on this episode with two fantastic turtle appearances in the DC universe with Injustice and in the Batman TMNT comics number two. So, it's been a real fun week for my DC Comics and Turtle fandom. <laughs> I couldn't be happier. <laughs> but with that, that's going to do it for the episode. And as always, I'll throw it to Dane for the outro. All right. Just go over to thebatmanuniverse.net, um, facebook.com slash batmanuniverse, and the Twitter handle is at batmanuniverse. Uh, Tim's Twitter handle is at timg311, and my Twitter handle is at DaneSaysBanana. And the show's Twitter handle is at BatFansPodcast. Uh, you can email the show at um, BatFansWithoutPants at gmail.com. And <laughs> almost forgot it. Almost second. forgot it, yeah. Um, and rate and review us on iTunes. So like we say at the end of every single episode, yeah. 
We love each and every one of you with all of our bat and turtle hearts. <laughs> Felt appropriate to throw the turtles on there. Yeah, definitely. After this episode. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> all right. So with that, we'll see you guys next time. See you next time, everybody.